Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. All right, time for the sports animals this morning. Happy Monday. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, what a weekend it was. The rest of the NFL teams have played. It's time to overreact today. Yeah, it is. And there were some really, really interesting games, overtime games. Uh, your Pittsburgh Steelers escaped. Mika Fitzpatrick has got to be one of the players of the day. But exciting games for some teams. One of the New York teams did well. The others didn't. Tom Brady without a great game. But it was really great yesterday to see it all count. All right, and uh, Tua had, a, I thought, a great day. Uh, Marcus Mariota had a good day and uh, fumbled a couple of times, but we'll get into that coming up. Big upsets in college football as well. A lot of them in the Mountain West. Four Mountain West teams lost at home, and uh, some really surprising ones to FCS schools, not only there, but around the country, top-ranked teams out. Notre Dame, the first top-five preseason team to start 0-2 ever. <laughs> they lose to Marshall. Uh, the Rainbow Wahine split with USC, a kind of exciting game on Saturday. The reverse sweep. When they were down two sets to zero, I, I be honest, I didn't have a lot of faith after Friday night. That was a mirac- not a miraculous comeback, but a very dramatic, exciting comeback. Congratulations. And uh, the Hawaii football team continues with their quarterback woes. Yeah, Joey Yellen played the entire game, something I had been hoping for, maybe others as well. I'm not too sure about this week after what we saw. But, again, it was Michigan, and they were that good. Mm-hmm. Hopefully better days ahead, and I am curious about what they'll do with the starting quarterback. And, you know, looking in, into that game before it started, I was thinking, you know, with Michigan favored by 51, 2 or 3, depending on the day of the week, they were the better team. We knew that going in, and I was hoping for some positives in that game, one of the few times I might say that. And I think there actually were some that hopefully they can build on. Zero turnovers for the first time this season. One penalty for 10 yards in that game their first two sacks of the season and that was good to see third down conversion the best of the three games seven of 19 and maybe more importantly that's not a <laughs> that's, stat that's not very good Gary. they were two of 14 the week before i know so it was better. but you know what maybe my most important one is not a number they had no quit in them you know, I know it didn't amount to much, although they played better in the second half. Are you going to fun to watch? What other cliches? No. Well, no what I, team I think, does, how many teams quit this weekend that you saw? Um, how many teams of all the games you saw? Who quit? I don't know if Texas A&M quit, but it sure looked like they played like garbage. Uh, but I've seen, to be honest, I've seen Hawaii teams under Norm Chow and maybe Fred Von Oppen. I'd like to use that word, but maybe quit. Yeah, I just, I'm just trying Not to play stay hard. away from cliches. I know what you're saying. Uh, they haven't quit, and I, and we did see uh, teams with Norm Chow quit towards the end. But it's tough. It's got to be so tough on the players. It's got to be tough on the. Co- it's got to be tough on Timmy Chang. I mean, remember, he's learning as he's going along, and you know, to lose week after week 
again now after week, and you come, it's 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 got to be tough. I was listening to the interview you did with I don't remember who on the pregame show, and they were uh, talking about oh Afatia Thompson, yeah, about the difference between playing for June Jones and Fred Von Oppen, and with Fred Von Oppen, you 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 bust your butt all week in practice. You have a good practice. You bust your butt during the game, and it's loss after loss after loss. I mean, that's why I think the fans we really gotta really gotta support this team because mentally this has got to be really tough for the kids. Where as soon as one bad thing happens in the game, you go, ah, here we go again. All right, well, you know. So right now they're playing to the you know to the final whistle, but at the same time, can they keep this up if they keep losing five games down the road? Now we have Duquesne and New Mexico State coming up. Duquesne is an FCS school. New Mexico State should be an FCS school. (laughs) But if Hawaii can't, we got, you know, New Mexico State on the road. Nothing is given for this team. This is, I'm not, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe New Mexico State is going to be favored. Hawaii's going to be at home at Duquesne. I would think that they would be favored. Um, But it doesn't mean they're going to win the game or it's going to be an easy game. Too many new players, new coaching staff. We, they've, they've, we've got to just hang in there and, and give them as much support as we can. It's homecoming on Saturday. Duquesne beat an NAIA school this past week. They're one and two right now. This might sound ridiculous to even think or comprehend or to think that it could be possible for this week. This might be a must-win situation to kind of salvage their season, so to speak, because of what you just said. And the yeah. try, if you can't get a win against an FCS school at home that has struggled a little bit, I know they played Florida State in their first game, then I think it's really going to be an even longer season. I still think they can do pretty well, and that's based on the Mountain West schools really struggling, some of them on Hawaii's schedule coming up. But first things first, Hawaii's got to take care of their own, meaning they've got to get a win. The first three games were tougher opponents than I think they're going to play maybe even the rest of the year. I know Fresno and San Diego State being the exception. So these are games where you really need to win to appease yourself, the players, to get some confidence back for the coaches. I'm hoping Jimmy Chang can get his first game ball with his first win this Saturday, and hopefully the fans will show up on homecoming and just be back on board with this team mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think it is a really key game and it might not sound like that normally uh and maybe to some people thinking well it's an fcs school we should win okay but where this team no has been, no you can't do that and i just said that i, just I know i know that. i'm just saying but i think some fans are going to think that well yeah it's there's nothing nothing is a given here i mean this is this is and you talk about you talk about hopefully we can do better now in the mountain west because of some losses yeah, the Mountain West looks down, but we're talking about right now. We're at the point where we have a quarterback that can't complete the ball. I don't know if he's got the yips or what. He went from a four-star high school guy to going to Pitt to now not being able to complete what thirty percent of his passes or whatever it is, and he's the best guy out there because everyone else is either hurt or they're not even that good. Yeah. So UNLV loses to Cal uh, twenty to fourteen. UNLV was in that game. UNLV looks like they're a different team this year. Um, Middle Tennessee smashes Colorado State. Incarnate Word. What? Yes. Incarnate Word beats Nevada 55-41. to Weber State. Are they FCS? Uh, Weber yes. State beats, huh? Yes, they are. Weber State beats Utah State 35 to 7. 
Auburn <laughs> beats San Jose State, but not by much. That's a good job. Uh, Idaho State was leading. I think it was like seven to – they were leading, but uh, they lost. Uh, San Diego State beat up on Idaho State. Fresno State barely loses to Oregon State. This was a bad – this is – this, this might be a down year for the Mountain West Conference. Air Force looked great against Colorado, but right. most people do. Yeah, Colorado's pretty bad this year. I think it is a down year. As of right now, I mean, you'd have to say that. I mean, Boise lost pretty badly to Oregon. Well, bad enough at Oregon State, and Oregon State looks pretty decent with a 2-0 start. But I think overall it is a down year, which in a way bodes well for Hawaii to maybe not finish in the basement of their division in the West Division. I know we got UNLV in Nevada. Uh, Cal's actually been struggling, too. But they still okay, win that well, game, like you said. UNLV what do you mean? Was in I that know. Game. Hold on. What do you mean? I know we got UNLV in Nevada. What does that mean? Thinking those teams are maybe that bad, where Hawaii can maybe get some wins against them. Have you been paying attention to UNLV this year? Yeah. Obviously not. UNLV looks like they've actually Marcus Arroyo has taken a step up. You know, don't look up the stats and all of that. I'm now. not gonna look up. I'm looking at who they beat. But you, but UNLV. Uh, oh gosh, I forget who they beat. They beat somebody the first week and. It was like Idaho State, yeah, Idaho fifty-two State, yeah. to twenty-one. Yeah. Idaho State's not very good. I get it, yeah. but UNLV coming out fifty-two to twenty-one—that doesn't happen in years past. And you know what? They just got Cal. Cal wasn't that convincing in that victory over UNLV either. They've got North Texas, Utah State, New Mexico coming up. I mean, this is a this is a this isn't. <laughs> I'm not banking on the big Ninth Island Showdown trophy this year. I'm not banking on anything right now. I mean, it's hard to yeah. when you're 0-3 and the way they play. I just think the schedule does get easier. I don't think anybody should relax. The schedule think, gets okay, easier for Hawaii? Yeah. When the first three games, I, I think, again, Vanderbilt being what they are, even though they lost by 20 to Wake Forest, Wake Forest a ranked team, I don't think they're going to – obviously, you just throw Michigan out because we know how good they are. And I think Western Kentucky would probably – finished near the top of the Mountain West this season. I think Boise and San Diego State and probably Air Force, I guess, have shown that they are the top three teams. But I I, I, I still I still think Hawaii can kind of salvage the season, but it better start this Saturday. You really do need a win, I think. I know what you're saying. This team is really struggling. And when you have a team for Hawaii, whenever they've struggled, it's usually not been the quarterback position that's struggling. Mm-hmm. It's usually the defense, let's say, or maybe the offensive line years and years ago. This is different to have the quarterback struggling as as much as they are, which is obviously an effect on the receivers struggling. And I don't want to say the running game is struggling because of the quarterback, but Dietrich Parson, our starting running back, has really struggled. He had the 37-yard touchdown in the first quarter of the season against Vanderbilt. Since then, he hasn't done much. And, of course, he had the two fumbles. Even besides that, averaging 2.3 yards on Saturday. And, again, I know it was Michigan that did a good job. The other running backs had a little bit more success, it looked like. So the running game hasn't been there when you needed it so far. Well, the Hawaii ran for 140 yards against Michigan. I don't. I I was uh, emceeing an event at the University of Hawaii, so I caught parts of this game on the radio, and I taped parts of it. I taped it at home. It was on the Big Ten Network or whatever, so I could uh, watch a replay. And I didn't get through that whole thing, but um, I don't know what what Michigan. You know, they score 21 in the first quarter. They score 21 in the second quarter. And then they kind of, you know, they, they, you know, they, uh, they took their foot off the gas. And thankfully, like you said, Hawaii wasn't wasn't helping them with those by a, a bunch of um, a bunch of turnovers. 
Well, they didn't but, have any turnovers then, Saturday. Right. They, I just said Hawaii oh. didn't help them with a bunch of turnovers, Gary. And that was a positive part of the game. But I don't know how – in other words, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is how hard was Michigan trying? In the second half, they I ran understand the ball in the a lot. second half, right, and that was good. And a lot of the backups are probably in the game, so they're trying their best to, you know, show the coaches that they can play. You've got a quarterback battle going on, so I'm sure the quarterbacks are going all out. And JJ McCarthy looked great, by the way. Cade McNamara looked good, and he came in too. But um, besides that, I wonder how much you know. This was this game was decided at kickoff, unfortunately. And so what are they doing? What are the coaches on Michigan? What is Jim Harbaugh and his staff doing? Are they are they out there? Not out there. It didn't look like they were out to prove anybody wrong or run up the score because they're trying to get votes in the poll. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. So how hard were they actually, you know, how long were the starters out and all of that? Seemed like little by little in the second half they came out. Yeah. Uh, but they have, what, a five different running backs scored a touchdown, I believe, if I have it right. One, two, three. Yeah, five different running backs scored. And it just shows you that they use a lot of backup. They just they, they won the battle of the trenches, as they say. I mean, their offensive line was so strong that well, it didn't really matter did. who was in that could do a good job against them, even with every the backups. Team, every team we've played them has won the battle of the trenches. Yeah, right. And I, I think the teams we're playing coming up, and I know the next two are a little bit uh, – FCS and maybe a second that should have been an FCS, like you said, in New Mexico State. They're not going to be as tough on the lines, I hope, and I would assume maybe. Maybe that's not right. To not assume as tough that. as who? As, as as the three teams Hawaii lost to on their on their O lines or even their defensive lines. Why? So, because I don't, I, the size and talent disparity. When you look at what New Mexico State usually has, well, we saw them twice last year, and what Duquesne probably has, it's not going to match up to Michigan, Western Kentucky, or Vanderbilt. Right, but what we're talking about, we have never seen, we haven't seen a team with this little talent in a long time. Norm Chow's teams had talent. Norm Chow had guys in the NFL. Norm Chow just couldn't coach. I don't believe coaching is, is a problem for this young staff. I mean, they're learning as we go along, right? Yeah. yeah but yeah. at the same time, this team seems like, and hopefully I'm wrong, this team seems like because of so many new players and the late start and everything else and injuries, that this team just doesn't have that many talented football players maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Things could turn around. Things could turn around. Um, and they started to a little bit. Defense has been playing a little bit better. In this game, It's you've you got to throw this out. You can't judge this. It's It's – this is apples and oranges. We went, we went up there. The reason Hawaii went there is to get $2 million. And that's the that's the state that uh, our state is in. You've got to take these games. They need the money. But um, it's, does, it, does playing a team like this help you? I think in the long run it does. Again, it's a process, and we're just moving along. We're going to get better. We've, ju- we've got to get better quarterback play. And yes. I don't put that on any of the coaches. Mike, thank you for calling in this morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning. You guys are right about uh, Michigan. They're going to get that uh, Mountain West Championship this year. That's the only one they're going to get. But anyways. <laughs> Wait, um, I, 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 it's a little I, early. Michigan's going to get the Mountain West Championship this year. That's what their five-star quarterback from Detroit said that went to Oregon. I'm just, uh, I mean, 
instead of going to Michigan, he went to Oregon. You know the funny thing about that J.J. Uh, McCarthy? He wanted to go to Ohio State, but Ryan Day took another quarterback out of Philadelphia uh, instead of him. And I, I always wonder why, you know, because I'm, I'm with you. I, he is a, he seems, if Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, he would be the quarterback because he can run. Uh, Ryan Day is not as interested as running quarterbacks as, as um, Urban was. But anyways, um, I think this will help them in the long run because they're not going to play a team anywhere near the talent level. So they've already seen the toughest uh, matchup mm-hmm. all year. And you can sense, I mean, just you've got to look at little incremental things with this team because, like you said, new staff um, and 50 new players, that's ridiculous. And not a lot of talent. You're, you're right about Norm Chow. When they went down to Ohio State, that Ohio State team in 2015 was the best team in the country. And they played them pretty good for like three quarters. Mm. I remember that game. And um, it was better than this Michigan team. They had the Bosa's on there, Zeke Elliott, all those guys. Right so, all right, hey, Mike, have a good day today. Thank you very much for calling in. I, I still don't get the beginning of that conversation. I know. <laughs> I know. It, it was something we, I probably, we probably missed on TV or something like that. Over the... All right, Tanner, are you on the air or off the air? Well, go on the air so that I can understand what you're saying. Sorry, I was just saying because they had blown out Colorado State last week, so maybe that's what they're referring oh, to. Oh, but... see, it's, Mike is fine. It's you and I that are, are a little sleepy this morning, I guess. Because they beat Mountain West teams, Michigan's going to win the Mountain West. I get it now. Okay, thank you, Tanner. It's uh, 18 minutes after the hour here with the Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, more on University of Hawaii football. You can text or call in at 808-296-1420, and we'll be... We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. I met a boy who didn't know. Good morning. Happy Monday. Hope it's going to be a great week for you. It's uh, Gary Dickman and Chris Hart this morning on ESPN Honolulu. We uh, thank you guys for calling in and texting at 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open. And at least we showed some aloha for Roman Wilson, you know, <laughs> helping helping him get up some yes. stats. So that was, that was if somebody's going to score on us, I'd rather it be Roman Wilson a couple of times. Kevin, thank you for calling in. How are you? Kevin McGuire is our guest. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm... he is. <laughs> Go ahead, Gary. Sorry. Yeah, he's a contributor I at Apple Sports. I stepped away to get coffee, and it threw me off. <laughs> okay. It's early on Monday, and he's also the editor for NittanyLionsWire.com. Joining us on ESPN, Honolulu, Kevin McGuire. Kevin, when you look at Saturday's games, which upset uh, surprised you the most or was the biggest one among the many? I think the one that probably surprised me the most is probably Marshall over Notre Dame, just because I felt like Notre Dame was going to have a nice little bounce back after their tough game at Ohio State. And uh, yeah, I just thought that they were, had that much more talent and depth than uh, I gave Marshall credit for. Um, you know, the Appalachian State at Texas A&M was a little surprising, but Appalachian State just has a, a tenacity to them as a program where you know I kind of expected they're going to put up a better fight. But Marshall... Uh, coming away and slamming the door shut on the Notre Dame, that certainly was uh, what was opening my eyes a little bit more. 
Definitely a good weekend for the Sun Belt overall. I know people were tweeting that maybe Appalachian State should join the Big Ten, or the Big Ten would want them after what they showed, even both weeks. They almost beat North Carolina the week before, so it was a crazy day as usual. I want to get your opinion, Kevin, also on Scott Frost for Nebraska. I thought he'd be gone by Monday morning. He was. It was actually Sunday morning when he got let go. What does it say about Nebraska that they pay him $15 million in a buyout that would have only been $7.5 million if they kept him to October first yeah that just tells me that they're ready to turn the page and they know that there was no turning back at this point there was there was no saving uh, grace for scott frost unfortunately with nebraska it, it was time and i think that that's you know the ultimate responsibility of the athletic director to determine when that time comes and you know even though it was going to be significantly cheaper to do so if you waited a couple more weeks you know you just can't let this program continue to drag on with uh, an impending doom about them already so uh, it was a commitment to just trying to make sure things start getting better. Speaking of getting better, Alabama was number one in the AP poll today. They are number two. Georgia uh, beat them out. Alabama barely escaped. That was a weird game. Not only did they barely win, but 11 penalties in the first half, and they just were a little uncharacteristic, you know, considering it's Alabama, though they had that very impressive drive at the end. What do you think of Alabama overall, where people were saying before this season they might be the best Alabama team in years? Well, maybe not the best Alabama team in years, but certainly a very, very good team. It's still going to be one of the best teams in the country. I don't think there's any real question about that. And I think you saw that uh, they were able to go on the road into that kind of electric atmosphere. And, you know, they, they faced some adversity and they responded well to it. So I think that that's the ultimate takeaway. I think if you're Nick Saban, you know that there's plenty that you can improve upon. And maybe that's like a dream for Nick Saban to get a win on the road against a tough opponent, against a coach who knows you very well and still have a lot that you can address in practices. That's like the ultimate dream scenario for Nick Saban. Seems like, you know, in the years past, the last several years, they've had so many receivers go to the NFL and just do great in college and pretty good in the NFL so far. What I saw, at least on Saturday, didn't really show the same quality of receivers. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, again, I, I think a lot of credit needs to be given to Texas for kind of stepping up and making things a little bit more difficult for Alabama. But, you know, I think as the season goes on, you're going to see those Alabama wide receivers are going to make plenty of plays. So, you know, maybe they don't have one of their top-tier guys that they've had in years past, but there are, there's still a lot of talent there. It's not going to happen right away maybe, but it's, it's going to be there. So you just got to give it a little bit more time maybe. We're talking with Kevin McGuire with Athlon Sports, who you can follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB as he joins us with the animals on the Bobby Current Show on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, this past Saturday, Hawaii played at Michigan the week before Michigan beat Colorado State. This Saturday, I'm assuming they will beat UConn. Is that enough of a test to see how good they really are? I know a lot of other schools will do that. Um, they're not FCS schools they're scheduling and playing, but when they're playing three schools like that, and those are the only non-conference games, what does that say about Michigan? Do we really know enough? I think uh, we'll see what Michigan is really made of when they get more into conference play. I think they, they have the luxury of knowing that they can go through these first couple games and kind of experiment with a couple different things like they have been doing with the quarterback situation and knowing that it's not going to cost them a win. So I think that that's certainly the approach for Jim Harbaugh. And you know, I do think that there is something to be said, though, about the way that they have gone out and just dominated. So I mean, that's what you kind of want to see from a team in those particular matchups. And Michigan has done nothing to suggest that uh, they're incapable of doing that. So I think that there's there's a lot of positives that can be drawn about Michigan. But, you know, is this a team that's ready to go head-to-head and uh, reclaim the Big Ten title? 
I don't know just yet, but I do think that they're going to be one of the best teams in the conference. Kentucky fans are so excited over that win over Florida. It was an impressive game both offensively and defensively. I see some of them tweeting because ESPN is projecting that they will be in the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma at the same time that Kentucky plays Louisville in basketball. I don't know if it can go that far yet, but how impressed are you with what Kentucky has shown so far? Kentucky has developed as a program, and they have earned the respect that they are getting right now. Uh, it's been a little bit of a process, but I think Mark Stoops has done a ter- terrific job in building that winning attitude and in building that kind of a program that can go out and prove that they're uh, among the best in the SEC. I'm not going to say the best or even the third best or, or should say second best. They may be the third best team in the SEC. There's a little bit of a gap between second and third, but I, I do think there's uh, a lot of good work being done in Lexington right now. And I would say the same for Arkansas. You know, Maybe Arkansas is not quite as far along as Kentucky, but I think both of those programs right now, uh, the way that they've started their seasons, they have proven that they are legitimate threats. Speaking of legitimate threats, when I watched a Baylor-BYU game, well, before it started, I thought Baylor would win that game even though it was on the road. BYU really impressed me. Your impressions of BYU and the Baylor team that did so well last year, what do you think of them, even though it's early, they're 1-1 one one right now? I think Baylor's going to be just fine. I think that, you know going on the road and playing at BYU against a good BYU team is never easy. Uh, and that's just one of those environments that I think is just one of the more special ones in college football. Uh, it's on my bucket list. I know that for sure. But, you know, I think BYU has you know, just continued to play really tough defense, and they're, they're really physical. They're going to wear out some teams along the way. And that's why you cannot take BYU lightly when you see them on your schedule. And I think that that's um, you know, a terrific win. It could have gone either way. But I think Baylor's going to be just fine. I, I don't know if I've got them winning the Big 12, but I do think that they're going to be in a pretty good position at the end of the year. We're talking with Kevin McGuire from Athlon Sports, com here. Random question. I was got a chance to watch some of this Texas Tech-Houston game. And Texas Tech's quarterback intrigues me, Donovan Smith. Uh, he goes 36 of 58, 351 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He did have three interceptions, but he's a sophomore. Is this a is this an up and coming quarterback we should be paying attention to? I'm I'm sorry, you cut out on me. Who are we talking about? I'm talking about Donovan Smith, the Texas Tech quarterback. He's oh, yeah. a big, strong guy with a strong arm. He can run. I mean, is this a guy yeah. that 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 uh, that um, is, that we'll be talking about in the future more? I think so because he's got that build, and I think he the way that he's going to be running that offense with Texas Tech. I think they're going to put up some pretty good numbers, and I think that what you saw against Houston that's kind of a coming of age and a little bit of a step forward, not just for him but also for Texas Tech. So I, I would be keeping a real close eye on him, especially when they get in the Big Twelve play because there are going to be some really fun matchups there. So let's see what he does there, but he's certainly off to a great start. And you know what? Texas Tech actually looked like they played defense in a game. I'm not used to that. <laughs> I know, right? It's a little bit of a new new era for Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing some pretty solid defense the last couple of years, so uh, maybe things are changing there. With everything you have heard, Kevin, where do you think we are as far as the 12-team playoff, as far as when will it start? Will we get it earlier before the contract actually expires, the present one? Yeah, I would be surprised if we're not seeing it in the 2024 season. I, th- I think next year is going to be a little bit too soon to figure out all the logistics, but I do think that the 2024 season, I think that they're pretty much set on trying to make that happen by any means necessary, and I would be surprised if they don't. 
headed in the right direction with that at least and what a college season it's been so early. Kevin, thanks for talking college football with us. We always enjoy talking with you and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, Kevin. All right, sounds good. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Sorry about that. I did not realize he was coming on. I left and uh, I went. I left to get another cup of co- uh, coffee, and then I came back and it was like, "Oh, Kevin's ready." I'm like, "Hey, Kevin's <laughs> on the line. What's going on, buddy?" I don't know. You called me. <laughs> That's what I would have said if I was him. But now that was kind of a random question. But if you got a, a chance to see, if you get a chance to see Texas Tech, guy's young. He's a sophomore. His name is Donovan Smith, and let's see how big he is. He's he's a big, strong guy that's hard to take down. Yet he can throw pretty good. Maybe some of his uh, decision making is not up to par yet, but um, he is six five, two hundred thirty pound quarterback. He's a sophomore from Las Vegas, and he wound up at Texas Tech. So far this year, he has uh, thrown for five hundred seventy two yards, not bad. Six touchdowns, but those three interceptions. So those three interceptions bring his QBR down. But I don't know. Keep an eye on this guy. Keep an eye on that guy. I'm definitely going to watch him now. Yeah. All right, let's uh, get – how did a Hawaii's uh, um, Hawaii's quarterbacks in Division One do? We'll discuss that coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. But coming up on Wednesday, we have a great opportunity for you to support Rainbow Warrior football. It's Call the Coach this Wednesday, 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. Go on down and enjoy some great Ruby Tuesday cow uh, cow. Also, we've got prizes to give away. And uh, support the coach and uh, bring your friends. Come on down and join us. We'll see you Wednesday at 6 p.m. from ESPN Honolulu. A lot of uh, Hawaii uh, players, Hawaii high school players, players with Hawaii ties scattered around the college football landscape. I saw that Dylan Gabriel had a really good game. My goodness. They had a slow start, Oklahoma, but he ended up with a good game with 21 of 28 passing, 296 yards, and three touchdowns. Other Hawaii. Unbelievable. Unbelievable game, man. That's That is so good. And he's not a. He's another guy at Georgia that is, he's not very tall. And, uh, you know, he reminds me of, you know, he's Baker Mayfield size guy. And uh, to pull it off, to go from UCF, UCF, then out injured for a long time, you go to Oklahoma and you have a performance like this. So, So proud, so proud. And they have a first-time head coach in Venable. So, yeah, definitely good performance by them, by him and overall. Yeah, 2-0 overall. And you know what? Watch Kent State in whatever league they're in. Are they in the MAC or whatever they're in? Yeah. I'm telling you, Kent State, I think, is a pretty good football program. That was a close game at, for the first half. Definitely really close. Well, yeah, it was 7-3. to three. My goodness. Got away from them in the second half. Uh, as far as other Hawaii quarterbacks, Talia Tonkovailo in the first half had four touchdown passes. Week one, he didn't have a touchdown pass, even though I believe they beat Maine in that game. He was 27-31. of 31. 391 yards, four touchdown passes, one touchdown rushing. He had an interception, uh, did a good job, six yards rushing, but he got sacked a couple of times. But overall, a pretty good game for him as well. And they'll have Michigan in two weeks. 
Other Hawaii quarterbacks on Saturday, Shevin Cordero, or as the Big Ten announcers like to call him, Shevon. Uh, Shevin Cordero, oh. 24 of 40. Uh, oh. That game against Auburn, 275 yards, no touchdown Siobhan. passes, 23 rushing yards for Shevin. Jaden okay. Delore. Hold on a second. <laughs> what did he call him? Siobhan. They were talking about how he left the team. That When, when he left Hawaii, that was it. The, the, the announcers were saying on the Big Ten Network. And Siobhan Cordero left. That was basically the last draw as it, far as the program falling apart. It amazes me. And how bad the okay, if you're a football announcer or you're you know or you're a broadcaster, and especially these guys and some of the bigger networks, I don't remember what channel Texas and Alabama was on. Every announcer gets a pronunciation guide. It's part of the deal. And you read through with more and more Polynesian athletes, with more and more Polynesian athletes being prominent football players, you you would hope that more of these guys were like Roxy Bernstein. Bobby Curran was very good at this. Kanoa Leahy is very good at this, of course, because we're all based in Hawaii. But if, if you could be more, we need people to be more like Roxy Bernstein who actually goes through and figures out how to, how to pronounce people's names. With Alabama, the tight end's last name is Latu. I'm sure the pronunciation guide has it, you know, pronounced this as Latu. I don't think his family pronounces it as Latu. How lazy is that? There was somebody else as well. Who else is? Oh, okay. On the back of his jersey, it reads T-O-O-T-O-O. Now, you would say To'o-To'o. I'm sure the pronunciation guide says T-O-H-O-H-O-H-O-H. To'o to'o. Yet the announcers time after time are saying Toa Toa. I don't see any A in his name. And these are national broadcasters. It's just so irritating that they wouldn't, that it, it's insulting and insulting to the families that they wouldn't go through the extra 10 seconds to figure out how to say people's names. Now, the analyst on that game, the play by play guy keeps calling him Latu. And the analyst comes back and goes, yeah, Latu is a pretty good player, blah, blah, blah. After about the third time, you would think that play-by-play guy would catch on. But he's probably thinking the analyst has it wrong. And all thrown to Latu. Oh, that's irritating. I'm sorry. I just, I, just, I just derailed the whole show right there. I had a rant. It's just, it's horrible. It's horrible and lazy. It's Brent Musburger we're reliving over and over and over again every weekend. I don't know what was worse, Siobhan Cordero, and I know people were even tweeting, and I caught this especially in the first half, and they were talking about the Hawaiian natives, the native, the Hawaiian native players, and they kept on saying that over and over again. And, the Hawaiian natives? Yeah, about some of the players. He's a Hawaiian native, and he's a Hawaiian native. It just sounded a little, you know, weird the way they were announcing it on Saturday. I heard that a lot in the first well, it half. Well, it sounds, it sounds like the, the primitive people. I know. And that's what so people are complaining there's about. There's a difference between a Hawaiian native and a native Hawaiian. He's a native Hawaiian. That's okay. But, again, I, that's a tough one, you know, for them. It's it's hard to blame them for that. But at least read the pronunciation guide. I'm sure San Jose State has a little pronunciation guide. They've got a great sports information director there who's been there for years. And I'm sure he's let them know that it's Shevin Cordero. 
Siobhan. Or maybe he changed it. Maybe in this day of NIL. <laughs> it's like, hey, I prefer to be called Siobhan. <laughs> yeah, that's We could be wrong. We could be wrong. Yeah, How else did the Hawaii guys do there, Gary? Okay, well, for quarterback, I'll, keep, I'll continue with them. Jaden Delore beat, had a good win last week over San Diego State. This week, though, Arizona loses Jaden Delore 23 of 45, 220 yards. Did have a touchdown pass, but also had three interceptions in that game. So uh, he, oh, did, wow. he did struggle a little bit, to say the least. Were they uh, – were they games where they're trying to come from behind, or you know what was the deal with the? I, I don't know when he threw. I don't know when he threw them. I don't know when he threw. I have to look that part up when he threw them. But they were. They did lose that game. A uh, couple other players with Hawaii tied that did play. Nick Mardner for Cincinnati. Who, I'm sorry. Who did? Who did? Uh, who did they play? Uh, Tanner might know it offhand. Mississippi State, right? And they lost that game at home. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, they got pounded. Wow. Uh, two other players I wanted to go over, Nick Mardner for Cincinnati, one catch for 12 yards. The week before, he had one for 32, I believe, and a touchdown. No TDs this game. And Day-Day Hunter for Liberty had 10 rushes, 10 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. And uh, also oh, wow. two, Good two, catch, yeah, two catches for eight yards as well for Day-Day Hunter of Liberty. All right. Uh, I see here Maris Leofu, Leo, how do you say it? Leofau. For uh, uh, Notre Dame had five tackles against Marshall. Keep an eye on that guy. That guy's a stud. All right, very good. It's uh, 646 this morning on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, I want to tell you about a big event coming up on Thursday. We'll do that and a lot more to go over from sports on the weekend on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, coming up on Thursday, our really big show number two is at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Josh Pacheco and Gary Dickman, Kanoa Leahy, too, going to be there with a bunch of special guests, including uh, professional surfer Ezekiel Lau. So all the guests going to be live on location Thursday, Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu, starting at 3 p.m., and they have a long list, close to 100 beers and seltzers on tap. Maybe it's even over 100 they can handle, I know. Heineken and uh, Dosecchi's are going to be on special. It's the really big road show number two from ESPN Honolulu. And we got a Monday night game tonight, Seattle and Denver, to close out week one. I'm kind of curious what kind of reception Russell Wilson's going to get. Uh, I mentioned last week that at a WNBA game recently, he was booed heavily by the fans. And that surprised me. I, I wonder what he'll get. And I wonder, I, I still am not sold on Russell Wilson with Denver. And I know first week is just the first week. But there were some surprising finishes yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, I know it's Geno Smith, maybe Seattle does win that game. And just yesterday, again, there were some surprises. Uh, mainly the New York Giants coming back against Tennessee. That game really surprised me. Tennessee was up, I, I know they were up 13-6. And Saquon Barkley. I, I'm an unbelievable game for him. 164 yards rushing. I mean, he of course showed... he had a great game. He's not on my fantasy team this year. <laughs> that that surprised me. He had a good uh, running game as well. Get his overall numbers, but he was really, really effective yesterday for the New York Giants. And you got to give them credit. Going for two, down by one with about a minute left in that game. Going for the win instead of the tie, and it, w- it works. Daniel Jones didn't throw a lot. Uh, but he was pretty successful, although the Sterling Shepard 65-yard touchdown, I mean, the defensive back slipped at the end. I think that's the reason he got a, 
his capability to go all the way, even though it was like a 30-yard completion anyway. Uh, but that that was a little surprising. This is the first time the New York Giants have been over 500 since 2016 at 1-0 the first time in six years. I can't laugh too much because it's probably the same for the New York Jets as well who looked pretty bad yesterday. Joe Flacco wasn't good. But enough about the New York teams. We don't care about them. Yeah. I, I feel bad for Dallas Cowboys fans after well, the first week. It's, what do you mean, enough about New York, we don't care about them? I mean, it was interesting to watch Daniel Jones, and that was a great game for the Giants. It was a great call by their new head coach to go for two to win that game. They could like have tied it up and went into overtime. Right, but, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, it's you know the Jets. Who cares about? We just have fun with the Jets because th- that's your team, and uh, you know they seem to just they're just struck by bad luck. But I wouldn't say nobody cares. You know one one thing, Lamar Jackson. We'll get more into him later. I'm sure didn't really have that great of a game. I mean they won the game, but his numbers. I mean he rushed okay, but he wasn't throwing the ball too well at all. And the news comes out about him that he supposedly turned down a five-year, $250 million contract with $133 million guaranteed. That comes out. Not only does that come out, but supposedly he is very upset with somebody leaking that to the media. Uh, ESPN, Adam Schefter, all over it. But he was. I don't blame him for not being happy. I, I wonder sometimes how these things leak. Not so much how, but more so why. Somebody, there weren't probably that many people that knew about it. Still, they leaked that information, but that's pretty good money that he turned down. And remember, he doesn't have an agent. He's the he's been negotiating on his own. I'm not sure if that's good on his end. And he wanted it supposedly fully guaranteed. But 133 million for a guy who's never thrown for over 3,200 yards in a season. And even though he's been injured the last two years since the MVP year, his numbers have gone down the last two years. Still a great player. I think 250 million, 50 million a year is more than fair for him. Wow. What was it? 133 over what? 133 guaranteed, but 250 million over five years. Well, he, he's an he's an MVP not too long ago, and he's a very good football player. He wants he wants what the what the going rate is. Well, 50 million That's, is the going rate, isn't it? When you think? No, the guarantee. Mm. The guarantee is what they're looking for. All right. Uh, top stories and uh, buy or sell coming up on ESPN Honolulu. It's the Bobby Curran Show with the uh, Sports Animals on uh, ESPN Honolulu. Hey, thanks to everybody who uh, came out to the Wahine on the Rise celebration at uh, T.C. Ching Complex over the weekend. Uh, we had a lot of people. Had probably, I would guess maybe 1,000 people, maybe a wow. little more, that came out. I mean, it's good because if it's too crowded, you can't do all the activities that you want to do. And it was great. The only bummer was we had to end at, well, we, it was supposed to be for two hours, from four to six. And they were handing out free tickets, so, um, you know, help out the Wahine. Maybe maybe it's the extra people that got free tickets to the game in uh, the Wahine where we're to pull that reverse sweep and beat USC that night at the Stan Sheriff Center. But uh, good job by the uh, folks at UH. It would look like it was very well organized, and um, um, they had a DJ playing music, Wes and Daryl from above entertainment. Uh, they did a great job, and the only problem was with about 15 minutes left, Lois Mannon, who's the Associate Athletic Director of Internal Affairs, 
and she's in charge of SWA. Something women's athletics. <laughs> Senior women's athletics advice. Anyway, so she says, okay, because we're joking around on the mic all day and having fun. And then she says, okay, you got to end it now. you got to clear the field. I'm like, what? She's all, there's lightning in the area eight miles away. We have to clear the field. So I'm like, so I'm like, okay, everyone, we have to shut it down. They're all, ha, 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 ha. Like, <laughs> so I tell the DJ, uh, I said, Daryl, I said, Daryl, turn, turn off the music. Turn off the music. And then I say, folks, the, it's we're supposed to end anyway in a few minutes, but we need to clear the field as soon as possible. There's lightning in the area. And then people started leaving. And they thought you were joking. Like that. But, hey, you know what? It was a great crowd, great people, great oh, the people who worked there. I thought the athletic teams were excellent. The Rainbow Wahine, all teams were represented. And kudos to the um, swimming and diving teams. They were really creative. I don't know if you saw a couple of my posts over the weekend, but all of them did just such a great job. The tennis guys, the sailing team brought their boat again, teaching kids how to tie and parents how to tie knots. And I was talking to a coach, and I don't want to say it because someone might get mad if I say who it is, but we both agreed that, you know, if this was the men's teams, no way it's this much fun. The men's teams would have sat there on their phones going, oh, what time What time we, we have to stay till? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that was the general consensus that only, only Wahines would be this outgoing. I mean, there's sure. I mean, you can't say that the guys would be totally horrible, but imagine if the football team was out there. And you have to see how these Wahine were interacting with the families to understand what I was saying. But I hope they do it again next year. And uh, folks, when you hear about it, make sure you get down there. And it was a, uh, it was it was it was good fun. And it could have lasted four hours, but we got cut short a little bit because of the lightning. Sound like a cool deal. I saw some of the highlights on the news, and yeah, they did do a really good job with the kids, and everybody seemed to be really enjoying them. So that's a cool deal. Yeah. All right, Tanner Hayworth, let's do our little thing. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Good morning. Welcome to our little thing, Buy or Sell, <laughs> on ESPN Honolulu. Now, oh, I could say, I could say, it's our favorite daily feature. You could. I, I find, I like it. It's my okay. favorite daily feature right. of the morning show. <laughs> we need you on more <laughs> daily features. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into Buy or Sell before we get any complaints of running too long. But the college football was going on this weekend. There were a lot of upsets and a lot of close games. One close game, Alabama and Texas, where Texas almost pulled off the upset over Alabama. But Bryce Young and crew pulled out in the end. And another Texas team, Texas A&M, was upset by one of the better group of five teams, Appalachian State, at home. Now you think when you look at the AP poll in the in at the upcoming week, they'd probably both be unranked. You know, one both lost still, but Texas gets ranked at 21 after being not ranked last week, and Texas A&M stays in the top 25 at 24 after their loss. Buy or sell, okay. both Texas teams should not be in the top 25 this week. I am selling 150%. I think that Texas showed what they can do with a backup quarterback on one leg to almost win that game. 
I, I, I think they should be ranked. And I, I thought they would be ranked actually a little bit higher. But I'm selling that. I'm going to sell that as well, even though they, especially A&M, really laid an egg. Texas lost to a good team and came that close. Oregon, I think, is a team that should be mentioned. Why are they ranked? They move into the polls by beating, an, even though it's Eastern Washington, they beat them really badly. But they move into the polls with a win like that, and that one and one. Um, polls, again, are still meaningless in a way right now because they're really not accurate until teams really play quality team. Although A&M didn't even play a very good quality team compared to the SEC, and they still played lousy. But I can't think of any other team that got votes that really deserved to get, whether it's Appalachian State, Marshall, Cincinnati, Kansas State. I can understand them being at the bottom of the 25, but I think Oregon is the one that really surprised me. I'm selling. And for folks that don't know, because you might say, what do you mean moved in? Because they were ranked, then they lost to Notre Dame. They were unranked, and then they moved back in at number 25. No, Oregon lost, lost to Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Oregon loses to Georgia. Uh, but no, Oregon's only lost to uh, the number one ranked team. Right. Okay, Tanner has a good point. I don't know if that they was lost on the lost 49-3. to three. Right, but it was the number one team in the country. Yeah, but I don't give them votes. I wouldn't vote for them because they shouldn't have been in the preseason poll at like 11 or 12 or whatever it was. They, they shouldn't be we getting can votes. All right, they... we can discuss okay. after. Go ahead, Tanner. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Sorry to get off track there, but along with <laughs> college football, it was the beginning of the NFL regular season, and one of the interesting upsets that happened in week one was, like we mentioned at the uh, bottom of the sixth hour, the Giants taking down the Tennessee Titans where Daniel Jones came back from adversity after throwing a pretty bad red zone interception. New head coach Brian Dable gets in his face about it, tells him what to do. Next drive, or in the upcoming drive, he goes down, gives Daniel Jones the ball to throw the touchdown, and then gives it back to Saquon Barkley for the eventual go-ahead touchdown. Buy or sell, Brian Dable can progress Daniel Jones to a top 15 quarterback. I'm selling because it's too early to tell. I'm selling as well. I mean, one game like that, even though he was good for him, no way is he. I don't think he's a top 15 quarterback, and I don't think he'll be a top 15 quarterback by season's end. I'm selling. Hmm. Buy, 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 buy or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And finally, to cap off the Sunday games, Tampa Bay just basically took down the Cowboys in a – Series of cuts, if you think, with a bunch of field goals and a lot of injuries for the Dallas Cowboys. It just didn't look very good for the Cowboys in Jerry's world, especially after they lose Dak Prescott for what seems to be six to eight weeks. Buy or sell, the Dallas Cowboys right now are the worst team in the NFC least. I'm going to buy that 100%. They look horrible. Their offensive line needs help. Uh, everybody just uh, basically uh, double team CD Lamb. Ezekiel Elliott looked really good and refreshed. He looked lighter. Uh, Pollard's got to learn to block. They've got a lot of problems on that team. And now with Cooper Rush as their starting quarterback, they are the least of the NFC least. When you first asked that question, I was thinking that's kind of ridiculous. No way. But then, you know what? Based on yesterday, yeah, they are. So I'm buying that as well. I mean, the Giants were impressive. Washington gets that victory at the end as well. Philadelphia looked good. So right now, yeah, Dallas uh, is the worst team in the NFC East. It's early. We'll see what they do with that quarterback spot. But right now, I'm buying. And that's today's Buy or Sell on ESPN Honolulu.
All right, thank you, Tanner Hayworth. But yeah, what what do you mean? What they do with that quarterback spot? You mean go out and get a free agent somewhere, or maybe she'd make, make what a trade? What about Colin Kaepernick? No, maybe make a trade. Let's see if Jimmy G is somehow available. Ah, okay. The uh, yeah, Cooper Rush. He didn't look. He looked okay. I mean, with what he had to work with. I mean, did the. You know, it became so, so predictable that it was they were going to pass every down. When that happens, you know, the defense pins their ears back, and it's it's a lot harder to look great as a quarterback there. But I thought Cooper Rush distributed the ball pretty well, actually. Me too. I mean, he was 50%. Better than Dak Prescott. Yeah, which is kind of saying a lot. Prescott was 14-29, Rush 7-13. And I think he had maybe one bad throw or receiver was open 81. I forget his name. Uh, other than that, yeah, I don't think he was that bad. He's been with them a while. But still, I think Prescott would give you a better chance to win. And we're hearing Prescott could be out six to eight weeks. And I would mm-hmm. think they're going to try to look at somebody, although they haven't said anything. And I don't know if it's Jimmy G or somebody else, but uh, I felt bad for Cowboys. It's, I mean, I, I don't like them winning. But I don't like anybody having an injury. You don't like curta- them winning? I don't like the Cowboys, but I don't like anybody losing games because of an injury. I don't like any player being injured in any sport, even if I despise the team or their rival of my team. I don't like to see anybody lose because of an injury. So that was kind of sad. Although the way Prescott was playing, I don't think they were going to win that game anyway. They were down 19-3 to when he got hurt. And he had that one little screen pass where he, he pump faked, and he, he would have had – I'm not sure if that was C.D. Lamb or somebody else – uh, if he would have thrown it on the first – instead of faking it, he would have had the completion. I don't know why he hesitated. Even Chris Collinsworth pointed that out. So uh, I feel bad for that. Okay, we've got uh, – John Veneri is going to join us on uh, Hawaii, Michigan, coming up in about eight minutes. And, John, there's another John on the phone. Hi, John. Hey, uh, being from Chicago, that was a good football game day yesterday. The Bears How about the them Bears? Uh, hey, I'll tell you what. I'm wondering, like Justin Fields in his mind, he's thinking, I'm from the Ohio State University, and this other guy's from the North Dakota State. You think I'm going to let this guy beat him? But then the other thing was, is, uh, man, um, Trey Lance had way better guys like around him. And, uh, and like the Bears, I'm, honestly, I'm really surprised that the, that the Bears won yesterday because uh, if I was a betting man, I would have thought that the 49ers should have been favored by uh, at least seven points. But uh, how long is it going to be before everybody starts yelling for Jimmy G in San Francisco, I'm wondering? You know, I wonder we have to wait. And this is overreaction Monday. That's why they call it that, especially after the first game of the season. That weather was horrible. And Justin Fields was 8 of 17. So Bears fans can't be too excited about what's going on there. Again, maybe it's the weather. Trey Lance is going to start slow. I mean, you know, everyone kind of gathered that before the game even started. So we'll see what he does coming up in actually maybe a little bit better weather. Well, I'm, I'm thinking if they made an even-on trade and put Justin Fields on San Francisco, they'd be favored to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know what they're going to do with Trey Lance. Because mm. Justin Fields right now looks way better than Trey Lance. He's only 8 of 17. He had the 54-yard touchdown. Besides that, he didn't really throw for much. I mean, I know they won convincingly, kind of, with the 19 straight points, at least in the second half, but I don't know if he looked way better. The thing I'm really unhappy with is you missed two extra points. I'm Mm. thinking let's go get another another kicker, but other than that, uh, I'm uh, pretty happy with yesterday. But Justin Fields looked like he had poise. 
uh, the other guy looked like he was a deer in the headlights. Mm. That's all. So yeah. Have a great day. Thanks. All right, thank you. And, and it could it could very well be, but you know, so did John Elway and Peyton Manning when they started their careers as well. Um, so did Jerry Rice. You know, his uh, first year with the San Francisco 49ers. We'll see how he improves and see how they react off of this. But yeah, that was. But definitely, you penciled that in as a win. If you're yeah. a 49ers fan, and to lose, and to lose to the Bears, that's got to be tough. Trey Lance, by the way, was uh, 13 of 28, 164 yards, and an interception. Uh, he did carry the ball 13 times for 54 yards. I'd like to. Uh, um, we didn't get a chance for headlines. We'll do that coming up in a little while. John Veneri is going to join us. But Tua Tonga-Vailoa had, I thought, a really good game. I watched the entire first half. 23 of 33, so that's, a, what, about 68% completion rate, something like that? Yeah. 23 of 33 for 270 yards and a touchdown. And a lot of his the passes were, you know, short passes. He did throw down the field at times. I mean, he got a quarterback rating of 104. Are people start? Is are we satisfied now that Tua Tonga-Vailoa can actually play football? People, my goodness, uh, Tyreek Hill was targeted twelve times in the game. I mean that he is a big weapon. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I think, caught maybe one pass in the first half, and that was it. Uh, but he ended up with four uh, receptions um, and a touchdown. But Tyreek Hill, nine eight catches, ninety four yards. And uh, no touchdowns in that effort. But uh, that looks like a really good pair with Tyreek Hill and Tua Tonga-Vailoa. They look great together. Yeah, and I, I thought he was a good quarterback last year. There were some numbers on Tua from this weekend. Eighth best passer rating in the NFL. You mentioned the 104.4. Sixth uh, best YPA yards per attempt, 8.2. Eighth best completion percentage over expected, uh, 2.9. I don't know how they predict what they're going to have, what he's going to have. Uh, seventh best net yards per attempt, 6.72. And only one of nine quarterbacks, which is pretty cool, without a turnover yesterday or this weekend. One of nine quarterbacks? Without a turnover. One of nine quarterbacks without a turnover. Yeah, wow. that's uh, Those are those are really good. Let's move to the Atlanta Falcons before we bring uh, John Venari in. And Marcus Mariota had a good game on paper, but the problem is they were up 26-10, to 10 and he fumbled at least once at a key time. New Orleans comes back. And wins the game 27 to 26. Marcus was 20 of 33 for what is that percentage rate? A little under like 63 percent, something like that. 60. Yeah. 60 percent. Yeah, 60 and a half. Okay, it's uh, for so he's 20 of 33, 215 yards, no interceptions, but no touchdowns as well. So not a horrible game when you look at it on paper. But Marcus also, we should say, ran the ball for 12 carries, 72 yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's on paper, it's impressive. It's just the timing of those fumbles was not very good at all. Yeah, the first one, I think it was on about the five-yard line, and he he acknowledged that he misread the first down marker. And New Orleans didn't score. I mean, they didn't score, but New Orleans didn't score, but it prevented Atlanta from getting a score to go up by even more. And then the last fumble gave New Orleans a chance to come back with that game-winning field goal. Yeah. 
But anyway, uh, somebody texted in. I wonder if Josh Pacheco was listening. Did you see? We got a text, and it says, uh, okay, okay so it's Chris and Gary. Can you ask Josh Pacheco if he likes apples? Of course, this piques our interest. And he says, in this, this is, wow, he's been harboring this for a long time. In December of 2019, I shared that Marcus Mariota would be joining the Raiders. Josh said, mark my words, Marcus Mariota will never start another NFL game in his career. So, Josh, how do you like them apples? And that's from Krusty Sam. Thank you, Sam. He's been waiting three years to text that in. <laughs> let let it go. Let it go. It's only football. Okay, uh, coming up next, uh, let's talk UH Michigan. We'll go over it with a guy that was there. John Veneri joins us next on ESPN Honolulu. We are going to talk some more University of Hawaii football. Tough loss on Saturday. We'll talk about what's ahead as we are joined by the play-by-play voice for University of Hawaii football on ESPN Honolulu, our very own John Veneri. John, welcome back home. Another tough loss. And I was saying before the game, at least during the week last week, that at least in this game, hopefully you can get some positives. I want to know what you thought as far as the positive takeaways from Saturday's loss to Michigan. No turnovers and one penalty. To me, and 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 finally, we get we get to a quarterback uh, and a pretty good uh, pretty good quarterback and a really good offensive line had two sacks with Taala and Tui Tupo getting to the quarterback. So those to me were positive, and I think that that was uh, something that you can and a fifty four yard touchdown run by Tylen Hines. I thought that was fantastic. Man, what what a um, you know there was a lot of positives to be honest, but those are the ones that stand out the most. I, I thought the same thing, and I thought also when you talked about the one penalty, considering the week before they had 12 penalties, and you would think going up against a bigger, stronger team like Michigan, that might be the same. That really showed a lot of discipline compared to last week. I also think that, you know, and of course you're looking at it hindsight, but you play like you did against Michigan, against Western Kentucky, you've given yourself a way better chance to win. Um, hmm. I, although I will say this. I still don't know what this offense can do. I really don't. We still don't. We're three games in. We're almost a quarter of the season in, and we haven't had a passing touchdown. So there mm. are some, while there are some bright spots, there are some major frustrations. And I know because as a fan, let's step aside here for a second. Let me just be a fan. As a fan, I'm, I'm disappointed in that. Yeah, it's hard to even acknowledge that or understand that that they didn't be able to weren't able to do that in three games yet, and that bodes the question as far as the quarterback. Joey Yellen did start again. We know Shaker was hurt, but was yeah. available. We heard. I uh, played the whole game. I was a little surprised that Jake Farrell didn't even get a chance. But overall, your impressions of Joey Yellen actually didn't have uh, any really impressive numbers in this game. I really like the guy. I really like what he said. Um, he, in fact, it was a quote in the Star Advertiser. Um, that nobody was expecting them to win, um, that that was what they wanted to do was come out and win. And, you know, really, as a, as a player, you're not going out there thinking, oh, my God, we're playing the number four team in the country. There's no way we're going to win. You're going out. All 75 right. guys out thought they, were gonna, they, they could shock the world. 
that as good as the lightning strikes eight miles away from the stadium were, that they could come out and, and have some lightning on the field too. But it didn't happen. I mean, but nobody goes into it thinking, oh, we're going to get $1.9 million, a charter flight, and a, and a lot of food <laughs> on the Nobody's, no, None of the players are thinking that way. And when it, when it comes down to the whistle blowing and the ball being kicked off, all of those guys are – are, are playing hard. I, there's, I know that at, at some point you're thinking, oh, Michigan let off the gas and stuff. But let's face it, their, their twos and threes are, are trying to show something too. So they're going full speed. And these are some of the best players in the country from one, two, and three in their depth chart. I think for, for those of us that thought that this team would go three and one, here are my thoughts on that, okay? Uh, and, I'm, and, and don't be discouraged and, and don't have an attitude like this team sucks. Because here's what it looks like. One, this is a truly a rebuilding year. Sure. Um, two, two of the types of things that happened in 1999 with June Jones coming, coming along and, and, you know, is a, like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The biggest turnaround in college football history, going to a bowl game, going 9-4. and four. And, and three, the teams that we have played are a little bit better than what they, that what they were billed coming in. Vanderbilt, 2-10 and 10 the year before, even though they didn't have a – specifically great, you know, outings after us, I still think that they're better than that 2-10 and 10 team. And they are an SEC team, so let's face it, a pretty decent SEC team uh, from a really good conference. Western Kentucky, a really good team from a lower-tier conference, but a championship team, so they're pretty good. And Hawaii made a ton of mistakes. Are we getting better? Yes. So don't be discouraged. Hang in there. This team is trying its best. The biggest, biggest problem to me is you have a record-setting quarterback in high school and in college who ran the run and shoot, and that is not on the field right now. That's, that, to me, is the biggest, the biggest thing that we're missing. Mm-hmm. John Venary is joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. What was it like broadcasting in front of, not two, but in front of 110,000 people? Well, here, here. So I was there with Bobby in 2016. That was that was uh-huh. my first visit there. What an amazing experience! What was fun for me was to watch Mark and the excitement that my brother had going to this stadium, um, because it is a historic venue. It is football, college football at its best. I mean, a hundred and ten thousand people. I mean, how do you get a Man, would we have some parking issues if we had 110,000 stadiums? <laughs> oh my goodness, the rail wouldn't be the savior on that one either. But uh, I tell you what, it was it was a wonderful thing. We rode in the uh, in the motorcade with the the team buses, um, so wow. we were in the police escort like we were a few years back with Ohio State. We got to the stadium lickety split. I mean, it was really really fun to do that. I mean, because you're going 60 miles an hour, 10 feet away from the bus in front of you. And so wow. it, it was a lot of fun getting to the stadium and having an escort and people booing you and thumbs down. And it was just so much fun. <laughs> but that is such a great place to play football. And let me tell you that Michigan, uh, I said it in the, in the beginning of our broadcast, there's a ton of those players in the first string, second string, that are going to be playing in the NFL real soon. Oh, yeah. They're that, mm-hmm. they're that good. Like I even thought that at one point this team could put on a pretty good effort with the Detroit Lions. I mean, it was just—it was just an amazing thing to watch. Roman uh, Roman Wilson was—you uh, uh, know—we we we gifted him with a couple of touchdowns. But how did he look? Does he look like he's an NFL player? 
Well, it, you know, it's uh, it's it's weird because it was almost on purpose. You know, they throw the first touchdown to yeah. him, and he goes forty. He, I mean, he's fast. He's a fast guy, and that's why they picked. He was noticed. Uh, early on, and Mark had talked about it in the broadcast, that he was noticed by Michigan early on running a four three forty, and he showed it. He really did look fast. He was behind the defense by a couple steps. So his 42-yard touchdown pass to start things off was, was, uh, was, to me, on purpose. It's like, let's throw to the Hawaii guy against the Hawaii guys. Um, uh-huh. And then his little, his little pitch uh, showed probably more of his speed than anything because he was able to get to the edge so quick. And although it was it was half the yardage it was in the past, both were impressive. And he, I think, is definitely one of those guys that could play as a third down receiver, perhaps in the NFL somewhere. Mm-hmm. John, a minute ago you were mentioning a quarterback who was successful in the run and shoot in high school in JC. Armani Eden is who you're talking about. Do you think he'll get an opportunity at all to show what he's got? Well, I was actually referring to Timmy Chang, uh, and I didn't bring him up. I just kind of, I'm, I'm just, you know, because we're not seeing the, we're not seeing that. Right. We don't even have a passing touchdown, and we're going into the fourth game of the season. So it's, it's frustrating that you have such an amazing quarterback as your, as your, as your head coach, but we're not seeing some of that on the field. So I know that that's a lot of frustrations from at least the people that I've been talking to. It's been the water cooler, but I do agree with you that Armani Eden um, is, is a guy that he's smaller. He can run the football. He does have a pretty good uh, a pretty good arm. I, I don't know um, exactly what it is, but from from you know he's the guy that's been running the scout offense. Whether or not here's here's my thoughts on this, and I'm, and I don't know for sure, but I'm just saying what I think. His uh, grasp of this offense may be a little more difficult for him than it has been, say, for Joey Yellen or Braden Shager um, to, to to grasp and, as quickly as they did. Uh, and perhaps that's the reason why he's not thrown in. The other thing is, throughout the weeks, he's not running Hawaii's offense. He's running everybody else's offense. So he doesn't get a good right. chance to practice it. You know, so you know, it's, it's one of those things where if, if he's not in the two or three deep in, in, in the Hawaii offense, he's running the scout team offense every week. He's not, he's not running the plays. He doesn't have the chemistry with the Jonah Pinoke and the, and the Phillips. You know, he's not running with those guys. So it's going to be a lot more difficult. And, uh, you know, do, do we want to keep him alive against Michigan? Yeah. There's still a whole lot of football to be played. We still have two more games in non-conference before we get to the new season, which is in conference. So there's still a yeah. lot to be played for. And I do think Hawaii yeah. is getting better. It's just hard to see when you're playing such good football teams. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned, um, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, do we yeah. know where we are with Shager and Cooper? Well, Shager, Shager was on the trip, but Cam and Cooper was not. Um, you know, they don't like to disclose some of those things, but it did yeah, look yeah. like uh, Shager was having some trouble throwing a little bit. Um, and I don't know exactly what Cam and Cooper's deal is, although I do think he was injured when he stumbled. Uh, if you recall in the, the last home game he against Western Kentucky, he did, he did an option, pitched it out to Deidre Parson. That was a touchdown. Right. Then later on he came in. And he was he was swallowed up for four straight plays uh, in the five within five yards of the end zone, and so mm. in one of those plays he you know he was brought out. I don't think he was fully he was fully capable. Of, they didn't even take him on the trip, so he wasn't even there. It was our money Eden, Jake Farrell, and Joey Yellen on the trip for this one. You know, one you play- think that you know when people are saying when you have a quarterback now he didn't have any interceptions. I'm talking about Yellen, which was great. Uh, he yeah. does so for whatever it was, 30% completion, whatever it was. 
if you put Jake Farrell in the game, will he do worse? Well, that, I mean, we're, we're going to just play that hearsay game and what-ifs game, right? Because we don't right. really know. Uh, we have seen Jake Farrell in the spring game did really well. Yeah. We have seen Jake Farrell throw in practice against our own defense, not the fourth team in the country fourth best team in the country so um i don't pretend to know any more than the coaches do because they're with them 24 7 they're out there every day at practice i'm not um and if they felt like joey yellen was the guy even at 30 percent passing was the, the guy that best give them the, that best give them the, the to opportunity win. to win yeah i mean then 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 i'm not going to argue that i'm not happy with it i'm not happy with his performance and he's not happy with his mm-hmm. performance i mean you know, I do like what he said, though. He said that, you know, that there were some positives, that they got some drives going, they got some good work in against a really, really good team and good players in a, in a historic venue with 110,000 people yelling. Um, but they're not even going up against the Mountain West yet. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think that, that this trip, I agree with him in his comment that he thinks that this trip made them a better team. And we'll, we'll see this week against Duquesne because we certainly help, hope so. Because uh, we didn't, I don't think a lot of people expected to go zero and three. There, you know, there mm-hmm. might have been a couple variations in there. I don't think anybody had the uh, the notion that Hawaii was going to go to the big house and win there. But I do think that everybody put Duquesne as a win on the list. Now it's a matter of how you win. Well, first, can you win? First, uh, you know, can you win? Second, can you show that you've been that you've gotten better from your three losses? And and then it's how you win. Because you'd like to see this team continue its its uh, its ways of you know less penalties, less uh, mistakes, no turnovers. When you have no turnovers, you give yourself a better chance to win. And so uh, you don't want to take anybody lightly. Duquesne is not uh, not the greatest football team, and they're you know, but they're still an FCS team, and and they're a Division One football team. So you can't take them lightly. And they did play mm-hmm. Florida State. And they got beat up pretty bad in their first game. And they're coming right. a long way to play us. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can't take anybody lightly. But I am curious to see how, how well Hawaii plays this week because I think this week will be more of a look at what we'll get for the rest of the season. Real quick, where's Duquesne from? From Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. They're from Pittsburgh, ah. yeah. All right. Well, John, thank you very much. As Coach Martinez says, it's not who you play, it's how you play. And that's what we'll be looking for uh, this weekend yep. for the Bows. Right on, John. Thanks for your time. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. Appreciate you guys. Take care. All right, man. Uh, John Veneri along with Mark Veneri, the voices of Rainbow Warrior football. And, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting what he said is if Hawaii played against Western Western Kentucky the way they played against Michigan, we would have had more of a chance. Very interesting. So we did see improvement. Uh, in this football team, and there were a number of positives from it. The 56-10 score is something that I think a lot of people thought, hey, we held them to 56. I mean, that was truly something, actually. And we scored off of them as well. And got a, a it was a fumble recovery or was it an interception? Interception. Both. Interception against him as well. All right, uh, coming up on ESPN Honolulu uh, on our calendar here, we got Call the Coach Wednesday 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii. Go on down and see Coach Chang and John Veneri and the rest of the crew. will be down there partying. And uh, it's uh, you can call in or text with your questions or comments. It's brought to you by Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW, Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, 
Hawaii Pacific Health, PAXA, and HGEA. Hope you're having a great Monday. Our trade winds should come back soon. <laughs> Man, it was hot this weekend. It was hot this weekend. What game was I watching that kept showing the temperature on the field? Was that the Texas game? Yeah, it was supposed to be 98 at kickoff around there. Oh, crazy to play in that weather. And then you have the exact opposite at Soldier Field where you're playing in a downpour. Man, this... Uh, I don't know if it was us or if it was our parents or our grandparents, but they really screwed Earth up, <laughs> haven't they? Man. Wow. <laughs> Think about it. Think about the temperatures and this crazy weather we're going through. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I'm at, I'm at, I'm at UH. When do, we don't do this in Hawaii. It's, you have to clear the field because there's lightning strikes are eight miles away. Everybody clear the field. Stop the event. When does that happen? Uh, never. Very rare here, that's for sure. It happened in that Fresno State UH game about four or five years ago, I remember, before halftime. We don't have tornadoes, but you can't rule that out nowadays in Hawaii. Got water spouts <laughs> out there, huh? I know. It's It was weird. It was sunny over my house, and then I looked at Waipahu, and there were the, it was a black sky, a black sky five miles away, or however far away Waipahu is from uh, here. My goodness. Whew. Yeah, I keep getting anyway. these emergency alerts emailed that there's flooding and thunderstorms, and I'm looking outside my window, and there's not a cloud in the sky. Right, because it's coming. Hey, <laughs> uh, uh, congratulations. Congratulations to a team that lost. Campbell High School fell to Kahuku uh, this weekend in EVA uh, in, you know, <laughs> in a torrential downpour in a mud-filled field. But uh, that's the second time, you know, Kahuku looked unstoppable, but Punahou and now Campbell keep it close. It looked like a, almost like a prequel to the Bears game yesterday with the field conditions. Uh, yeah, you know, you got to give Campbell credit. They they played really good this year, and Kahuku, for them to only get 16 points, I know the weather kind of dictated that. There were some missed kicks, and you really couldn't run the ball effectively, and both teams struggled with that. But you've got to give Campbell a lot of credit. Even though they didn't win, they played Kahuku as tough, if not tougher, than maybe anybody else has or will this year. Yeah, and the uh, Campbell has, uh, I'm looking here at scoringlive.com, Campbell has uh, 78 yards total offense. Let's see, no. The, who, is it? who is it? Six sacks and, yeah, 78 yards total offense. I think the weather had a little something to do with that. But, you know, you lose by 10 with 78 yards total offense, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, for an offense that can score 40 or 50 almost every game. And, you, again, the weather part of it, but you got to give Campbell credit. They've, they've been, a, I don't want to say a surprise team, but they've been really, really competitive all year long and really a force in the open division. I'm glad for them, and it's fun to watch that. Even though Kahuku looks like they're the best, I think Campbell gave them all they could handle. Yeah. Boy, it's Campbell, Kahuku, Punahou, um, some pretty tough teams. Mililani has got to be up there. And uh, congratulations to St. Louis. Um, they beat Kamehameha 49-14. to That's a lot of points. They were really happy because the week before, remember, they let up 56 to Bishop Gorman and lost 56-14. So they were happy that they could turn that around. And speaking of good mainland team, Mililani left yesterday to go play Matter Day this Friday night, I believe. And I believe they're number one in the country. Oh, Matter Day. 
number one now, huh? Isn't that yep. Colt Brennan's school? I think so. I think so. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So that's. And what about the, what about them? Naali beating Kailua. See, I don't know who to root for. I had one kid that went to Iea, one kid that went to Kailua, but my dad went to Kailua. But uh, Iea beats them thirteen to seven. Iea continues to win big. How about that? I like that. I love their. I love their hats. I think you had one of their hats. I like their. You love their, their hats. I love their logo. I think it's pretty cool. I know that's not a reason to like a team. Well, it's not. It's a stolen logo. Who's who's is it? <laughs> The United States Army. Yeah, that's not a football team. Oh, well, they lost in <laughs> overtime. <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah, yeah they they were good last year, going I think to the championship game, and this year they haven't really missed a beat. They they've got that one loss by like what two points or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. They're really good. I like the fact that they won, and that was another low scoring game. But got to give them credit as well. Yeah, Moanalua beats Lelehua twenty seven to seven. I'm surprised here. I'm not that. It's really, if this was a few years ago, this would be very surprising that Waipahu beat Farrington 43 to nothing. Farrington has times really struggled. Yeah. Uh, times have changed. But anyway, um, that's uh, some good information there. Thank you guys for at Scoring Live for doing all of our show prep because we just kind of, you know, get all the scores. <laughs> and, good job, guys. All right. It's uh, 747 with the animals here on ESPN. Honolulu, big mahalo to everyone that came out at uh, Big City Diner in YPO for Countdown to kick off. Lots of prizes uh, have been uh, won. And uh, Josh Pacheco and Coach Arnold Martinez, a great job as well. And they did not have, um, you know, a lightning warning out in YPO, so that was no. good. It was dark. Uh, there, there was thunder, though, from what I understand. But, uh, yeah, next time we're down there uh, at a Big City Diner in a couple of weeks, you can enjoy Mega Modelo's. 25-ounce Modelo Especial Draft for 7 bucks. So thanks again to our sponsors, Paradise Beverages, Modelo Especial, Diotani Produce, and Coca-Cola. Back with more on ESPN Honolulu. A lot of big upsets in college football this past weekend. And one of the upsets I was hoping for, not that I root against Alabama, but we naturally, if we don't really have a dog in the fight, we naturally root for the underdog, right? That's how we do. And Texas looked like they were going to win the game. With that field goal towards the end, I can't remember how much time was left in the Texas-Alabama game, but it looked like Texas at home was going to do it. And I don't know if you saw the field goal, but it was like some kind of weird golf shot where the field goal goes up and is starting to drift right to go far, uh, uh, you know, to be wide right. And then it takes a turn in the middle of the air and goes back in through the goalpost, and it was the most amazing field goal. And it's something we would have seen over and over and over again uh, in highlights had they won. But Alabama came back and won it at the end. And you know what? That's why Bryce Young is the is – the, um, that's why he's the Heisman Trophy winner. It's why he could be a Heisman Trophy winner again. I mean, the pass rush comes in, unblocked linebacker comes at him, and he ducks out of it and runs for the first down, and they go on to you know to kick a field goal and win the game. But 
unbelievable performance by Bryce Young. I, I don't understand. I was talking to Arnold Martinez about the Saturday after that game was over. Is why, if you're Texas, are you in a prevent up by two with about a minute left? Because they only need a field goal, obviously, to win. Alabama does. And you're letting it just took two plays after the kickoff to move in the field goal range. I mean, why don't you play your normal defense? I mean, if you want to stop weren't a touchdown, there pen- weren't like there a- penalties as well? I don't think on that last try. There was only one penalty. Um, I don't think there were. I don't think there were. Okay. Okay. But there was. I know it was only two plays that got him in the field goal range. And you're you're just playing back so much to stop a touchdown. Maybe I guess will keep them in front of you. But they only needed a field goal. And we I see teams do that all the time. I always wondered why you go into prevent so often if you don't trust your normal defense, or if you do trust your normal defense, stick with that because you're letting a team move downfield really quickly. In that case, it was pretty easy for Alabama. Again, Bryce Young deserves a ton of credit, but it was just real easy for them because of the t- defense Texas was playing. Well, I mean, they were in an aggressive defense. I don't know how many of they were rushing on that one play, but had he sacked Bryce Young because he was all over him and untouched, game's over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can't blame you can't blame Texas for a thing. But it was uh, it was not an upset. But boy, that was a great game. Speaking of upsets, though, Marshall beats Notre Dame. The, the Notre Dame was number what five? They dropped to eight, and now. I don't know where they are, but but Notre Dame, wow, they go from number eight to out of the poll, huh? Yeah. With a loss to Marshall. I mean, Marshall's, it's a close one at halftime. Marshall's up nine to seven, and uh, they end up winning 26 to 21. Matthew McConaughey has done a great job with that Marshall team, Coach McConaughey. <laughs> and I think that, you know, he should, nobody talks about what a great job he's done, right? He was not the first. He was not the first guy they wanted to take over that team, but boy, he showed them that his, uh, you know, his ways are pretty good. But Josh Brolin, not a bad assistant either. Yeah, that's right. How about BYU over Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears? They looked really good. I was surprised at that game. I thought Baylor would beat them easily, and it was a good defensive battle. BYU's kicker missed two field goals that could have won the game. Uh, I think both were in overtime. I know one of them was. What I thought was pretty cool, a haul the quarterback for BYU after they won finally in overtime. He, The BYU kicker was crying on the field, and Hall went over to him and hugged him, consoling him for almost 10 minutes. And wow. people were pointing out what a great leader that is. I thought Baylor had a really good chance to win. Their quarterback play wasn't that good. But BYU was better than I thought. I thought Baylor would win that game convincingly, based on last year mostly. And they're still a really good team. But BYU showed a lot. Yeah, Jaron Hall. Keep your eye on Jaron Hall. He might be a guy we're talking about uh, more come draft time, too. I, I'm, I'm guessing he's draft eligible. I don't know much about him. I just remember seeing him last year. He's pretty good. All right, he's a junior. Uh, okay, hey, top stories coming up next here, ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Top stories we're following today here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, it's overreaction Monday, and this will leak into overreaction Tuesday tomorrow as well, probably. Tua Tagovailoa, very respectable performance in his NFL debut this year. Marcus Mariota, good, not great. 
I would have been, it would have been great if both were able to win and Atlanta came oh so close. Uh, hopefully he'll have better days and Atlanta's picked to maybe be the worst team in the NFL according to Vegas. But for Tua, it was a great start. I think, again, with the weapons he now has, he's going to have a really good year. And I'm saying already, and I said it last week or two weeks ago, they're going to be in the playoffs. And I think they could do some damage this year. People are underestimating them and people are saying it's a make it or break it year. So far, so good. Yeah, and especially when you talk about the New England Patriots and the Matt Jones's Mac Jones's injury, uh, Patriots do not look that good at all. You've got the Jets, and who else in that division? Buffalo. Buffalo obviously is real good. Ah, okay. So we're still talking wild card, maybe. <laughs> we're talking yeah, about I think the playoffs would be a big step up for them. Sure, sure. And uh, you know that's why they went out and spent all that money. Um, we uh, the Rainbow Wahine split against USC. They get pretty bad, uh, beat pretty bad on Friday night, and then they start off two and zero, but come back and win th- uh, three to two on Saturday. Yeah, I mean zero oh two, they have to get the reverse sweep, and now they're three and five. That's their last non-conference match. They'll have the alumni uh, matches this weekend it's on Friday, and then they'll start Big West play in two weeks. But I think that was a really important win, and the emotion of the team after that was great. The fans were great, and it was great to see them do that. And uh, again, after struggling earlier against some team, to have that win to go into conference play hopefully gives them more confidence and momentum. Yeah, and going into a two-week break, I know they have the alumni game, but going into a two-week break, you'd rather go in as a winner than as a loser. I think UC Davis is our first opponent in a couple of weeks. All right, uh, University of Hawaii football woes continue against Michigan. Bad quarterback play, but there there were some positives, too. There were positives, but I also don't want to downplay the fact that you're down 42 nothing at half. Nothing went right in the first half of this team. There's one thing I want to point out that we haven't discussed yet. Dietrich Parson, the, running, the starting running back, in the last two games, 28 yards, 29 yards. Not too good, although remember the first game he had that 37-yard against Vanderbilt, the touchdown? But right. other than that, he has really struggled the last two games. And the other running backs come in, and I know Hines had that big 54-yard run against backups. I wonder if they make a change at running back or give those other guys, Bryant Lilly, uh, some extra t- extra uh, carries at least, because I think Parton, for whatever reason, has struggled. I hope he's not injured. I hope it just happens to be one of those things. But um, there were some, there were a number of positives, and I like what John Veneri said. That he said, "Hey, if Hawaii played against, if Hawaii played against Michigan, if they played that well against Western Kentucky, they're in that game, and we're not blown out. So things will be getting better. Unfortunately, it just doesn't look like the quarterback position is going to be one of them. Yeah, As we move on yeah. here, um, we were talking about big upsets in college football, and there were a lot of them. There were." Um, Texas A&M lost to, it was an FCS team? Appalachian State. They're an FBS oh, no, now. They're, they're FBS now. But Appalachian State, you know, they're kind of the, the shamanad. They're known as kind of the giant killers in football. They got this attitude that they play with, and it's a culture that they have. And it's it's hard to, it's, it's easy to maybe establish, not easy. It's one thing to establish a culture. But to have an ongoing culture, the New England Patriots have a culture. Appalachian State has a culture that they'll play. They're not going to back down from anybody. How many ranked opponents do they beat or come close to beating? If I'm one of these Power Five schools, I'm going to, you know, you want to have some, uh, you know, lower, you know, some lower type teams to come in. You want to get reps in. You want to evaluate. 
I mean, in, you know, in Texas A&M and the SEC, your regular schedule's hard enough. But why are they scheduling App State still? Schedule somebody else. Schedule Lamar. Schedule, you know, Southern Charleston. Don't schedule Appalachian State. They might beat you. And you gave them a million and a half to come there to beat you. One point five million they get. They remember Carolina last week. I think they scored forty points in the fourth quarter. I believe it was three years ago they lost to Tennessee in overtime, and that was a game they almost had won. Yeah, they they're a really good team. I I know they're kind of new to the FBS level, but you're right about them. They've been really one of those giant killers. And I'm I'm an A and M fan, and that was so embarrassing to lose that way and have a field goal embarrassing that just wasn't even close. They got I mean the time of possession was overwhelming in Appalachian State's favorite. The number of plays, it was just like Appalachian State was a ranked team and A&M was the FCS school. You would think that with all of that NIL money that, um, you know, is illegally, according to Nick Saban, that is illegally being spent over there, uh, that's being used for recruiting, that Texas A&M would win. I mean, this makes uh, Jimbo Fisher not uh, the genius you thought he was. And they play Miami this week, and I believe game day was going there. I heard they were going to try to cancel. I think that was a joke. If they lose at home to Miami, yeah, I think he's going to be on the hot seat. I really do. He's making $7.5 million a year. Speaking of NILs, they're playing Miami. <laughs> yeah, Man, right. <laughs> the uh, uh, We talked about BYU beating uh, Baylor. The the upsets were, you know, Kentucky beating Florida on the road. That's an upset. Yeah, I mean, by the way, BYU was favored by about two in that game at home. But, yet Kentucky over mm. Florida. Anthony Richardson, who had a great game beating Utah the week before, he really struggled, had a couple of interceptions, uh, didn't, look, didn't look that good on Saturday. When I go by upset, I'm just going BYU's ranked 21, Baylor's ranked number nine. You have a team that, in a, an independent, beating a Big 12 team, a team that I think finished number five in the country or something uh, last year after the final rankings were out. With what Vegas is saying, I don't take, sometimes I don't take that into really consideration if it's an upset or not. Uh, Southern Utah was upside upset-minded heading into Utah, but they were just upset-minded because they lost 73-7. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what? If you're if you're like sad, you're like, oh gosh, Hawaii lost to Michigan. Uh, it was uh, fifty six to ten. You could be Akron. They lost to Michigan State fifty two to nothing. Yeah, they 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 obviously one of those teams near the bottom as well. And even look at Utah State. It's one thing to lose at Alabama, I believe fifty five nothing. But you're at home against Weber State. Not only do you lose, you lose by four touchdowns, thirty five to seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I was reading an article early this morning. The uh, coach of Utah State was pretty upset with the fans booing the team and booing their quarterback, and he was saying this, would sh- this shows what the fans are really like and calling out the fans there. But if you're losing to an FCS school by four touchdowns and you were in the Mountain West Championship game the year before, I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Washington State beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin you know, are these upsets good. or are these guys just ranked in, based on – who they had last year who's coming back. And Wisconsin really maybe isn't the 19th best team in the country. They probably are, but then Washington State wasn't exactly lighting it up last year either and with all the coaching changes and stuff like that. That was impressive because Wisconsin had chances in that fourth quarter and just couldn't couldn't get in the field goal range, couldn't get the ball really past midfield and really struggled. you got to give Washington <laughs> State credit. Sounds like the Dallas Cowboys. Did the <laughs> yeah. Dallas Cowboys ever get into um, – wait, who are they playing again? Oh, my Tampa. God. Tampa. 
Did the Dallas Cowboys ever get into Tampa territory at all in that game? Not I remember often. them saying I remember them saying no, I don't I remember them saying towards the end of the game, and I think it was due to a penalty, this is the best field position they've had all day, and it was uh like on the their own forty yard line. It was crazy. Right, the penalty got them, I think, as far as they got, right. You're right about that. They got uh they got helped out by penalties uh here and there. But boy, that Tampa Bay defense. I mean, if you drafted them on your uh, fantasy team, the defense and special teams of Tampa Bay, you are smart. Oh, I see that I did. <laughs> oh, what a what a coincidence! But then again, I also drafted Dak Prescott. Yes, who is going to be out six to eight weeks for a broken hand? Somebody texted in earlier. Dak Prescott is injury prone. Is that the label he's going to get now? Uh, boy, I wonder. I wonder about. Arizona was going to this significant time. Two years of the three, Mike McCarthy's been there. Yeah. All right, let's uh, take some texts before our uh, Russell Baxter from ProFootballGuru.com is uh, coming up. I want to see what he has to say about Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers. It is Overreaction Monday with the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, let's go to some texts. we got a lot of them. Um, let's see. Here's one. Gary, you called the 49ers and Trey Lance being unproven, inexperienced, although the weather was horrible. His play was meh. He says, you called it, Gary. And it's only one game, so I'm not going to say Trey Lance was a, was a bad choice just because of one game. I just thought Garoppolo deserved it more, but time will tell. And, you know, somebody else texted in. The weather was bad for both teams, so you can't say you had to play in those conditions because the Bears did, and they, you know, played really well in that fourth quarter, but yet Lance did not look good. But it's one game they have Seattle next Sunday. We'll see. All right. Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420. The texter goes on to say the Jets will get the first pick next year. I hope so. Another quarterback. (laughs) Okay. Daryl texting in here uh, talking about Hawaii. We knew this year was a rebuilding year for Hawaii. Nebraska has to start all over again, firing Scott Frost after three games. They gave up 642 yards to Georgia Southern. Nebraska hasn't been relevant for over 20 years. That's probably right. They did win two championships in the 90s, so I like that about them. And another one of my teams that I really like that really is embarrassing. And Scott Frost just had to go. I mean, he, he won a championship there as a quarterback. And you know, he comes but, back and just really stunk it up. Look at what he did at UCF. It's not yeah. like the guy can't coach. I think it's just nobody wants to go to Nebraska to play football. See, I don't think it's that they have one of the best facilities in the country, or they used to—I mean, they've got a weight room so? that used to be the best. They, well, I mean, that's, people are going to want to go there. They had a great tradition, so yeah, you're going to want to go but, there. But they've had a hard time is keeping the, the local talent home. That's one thing. And moving to the Big Ten but, has not worked out for them. Yeah. So the point being, oh, they got nice facilities, but it seems like all. Power five schools have nice facilities. You can say Oregon has the nicest facilities. Oregon's not even ranked this year. They're going to even stay in the. Oregon is oh they're ranked twenty five right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're ranked twenty five, but they shouldn't be, as you were saying. But Oregon is far from where they should be based on the amount of money they spend on facilities. If it's all about facilities. Well, it's not all about that. I'm just, I, I think people want to go there. For whatever reason, the recruiting has been lacking, but a lot of it is keeping but, but, the, the right. homegrown talent home. But they don't want to go there. That's why. They, they don't care about the facilities. 
their their homegrown talent's good enough to go somewhere else. I was ta- I was raving about this quarterback and his moron potential for Texas A and M. Where's he from? Texas He's from Tech Las Vegas. Who scored the first touchdown against the University of Hawaii this past weekend? A kid from Hawaii. I don't know where I was going with that. I got off track. <laughs> well, keeping homegrown talent home is what you're saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think but also their quarterback selections have been really be, bad. That could be due to facilities and the fact that he's playing in front of 110,000 people. Yeah. A little bit but, different. But the quarterbacks for Nebraska have not been that good. You talk about Hawaii struggling. For Nebraska, whether it's uh, look at Martinez's first name, Adrian Martinez, and some of the others, they just can't throw. I mean, they can run okay, but you got to have a guy that can throw every now and then, and they've been really lacking. And they haven't been able to recruit well. I know that's what you're going with with that. And it's just, yeah. It's that's not because all... of the facilities or the school itself. The fans sell out every single game. It's yes, unbelievable I there. I know, but nobody wants to go to play there, and those poor fans. Those poor fans where it's their life because there's nothing else going on. Where are they playing? Not in Lincoln. Where are they playing? Yeah, they play in Lincoln. Yeah, there is nothing oh, okay. else going on. I've been there many times. <laughs> Isn't you know, Lincoln they... like the capital of Nebraska? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, Omaha. Yeah, Lincoln is. But when they have a game day, like all the stores are empty. It's just unbelievable. Banners all around apartment buildings and offices. They love their football. So they sell out every game. And you're right. They just haven't been able to recruit. I think part of it maybe is hiring the wrong coaches. Tom Osborne got everybody there. Uh, whether it was Mike Riley or um, Rob, uh, I forget the guy who came after Osborne who went to Ohio after that. Frank something. Uh, and obviously Frank Solich is the word you're Solich. looking for. That's the guy where they went nine and, and that's that's when the decline started. The coach was nine and three, and they went not good enough for Nebraska football. You're fired. Well, see what happens. Yeah. Yep. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. They fired yeah. Coach Mack, and we we got Norm Chow. Careful what you wish for. Exactly. Uh, here's yeah. another text. Nebraska hasn't been relevant for over a decade, Gary. That's how he wrote it. He wrote Gary like that. Well, he's right. The he's kids right. just don't. Kids just don't want to go there. They would rather go outside the state. Yeah. No. Think about the, the 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 players and the Billy Hall compiled a bunch of players who were playing Division One college football that went to Hawaii high schools. If all those players stayed home, if all of those players stayed home, Hawaii would win Mountain West Conference every single year. Even a half year. of them, maybe. I mean, Dylan Gabriel would be our quarterback. Roman Wilson would be one of our speedy wide oh, receivers. Wow. Lineman after lineman after lineman. We have a linebacker like, uh, uh, I can't remember which Herbig is playing linebacker for Wisconsin. I mean, That's, think of the team, think of the team, you know, that we would have. Okay, let's not think about that. Let's talk <laughs> yeah, football coming more. up next on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> remember, Wednesday, it's a fantasy football day for us here because we invite you to join us at 8 o'clock for the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. It's brought to you by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. You can ask our weekly fantasy experts for advice on your team, like what do you do because I drafted Dak Prescott, stuff like that. And you can win some great NFL memorabilia uh, as well. It's Wednesdays, 8 o'clock on ESPN Honolulu.
Carrie and Chris here in this Monday morning. Week one in the NFL, almost complete. We have one more game tonight, Seattle and Denver. That'll be on CBS 1500, of course. We're going to get into it now as we are joined by an NFL writer and historian when fan, with fansidednfl.com, also the founder of Pro Football Guru. And I'm really happy he's with us today because for the last three months, Russell Baxter has been counting down the days on Twitter until the NFL season starts. He doesn't have to do that anymore, and that's a good thing. Russell, thanks for joining joining us today it's a good thing you're with us good thing the nfl season's on except for the dallas cowboys right now without Dak prescott what do they do next well first off just don't in case you thought i went away we eventually will be counting down to the super bowl so all those tweets <laughs> will be in, in, in full. and by the way hey i also have to say this the way you just said founder to me i was having a flashback of john belushi um, in Animal House, when he was talking to Flounder, that's not what you meant, was it? No, no, not at all. But oh, I do remember no. Flounder from Animal House. That was a good, good oh, role. No, who couldn't? Flounder, you know, that pledge pin. So, all right, get back to your question. What did yeah. the Dallas Cowboys do? Um, well, what did the Dallas Cowboys do last night when they had Dak Prescott? They got a field <laughs> good goal. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And, you know, and there's, there's a lot to be said for what happened to them in the offseason. Uh, they decided to release Leo Collins, the right tackle, okay, who latched on with Cincinnati. I'm not sure how good that worked out for the Bengals yesterday. Um, their left guard, Connor Williams, is gone. Uh, Tyron Smith is hurt um, and going to be out. They have a rookie left tackle yesterday. Um, no more Amari Cooper, safety valve. No more Cedric Wilson. Their offense underwent massive changes in this offseason, okay, as much, probably as much as any – certainly among any of the 14 playoff teams. I don't think there's any question about that. And I know people will point out the fact that Dallas led the league in scoring last year, as you guys will recall. They scored 530 points. Right. Um, but I think people also forget that nine of their touchdowns came from the defense and the special teams. That's not something that just goes, something you can count on every year happening and so on. Their offense sputtered in the playoff loss to San Francisco. And, they listen, they played a very good defense last night. And, you know, I was one of those people who felt that their defense this year, at least early on, was going to be ahead of the offense. And, you know, 19-3, they, they held Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, who have some offensive line issues in it, of their own on the inside, um, to one touchdown. So, uh, last year, that game was 31-29 in Tampa Bay when Tampa Bay beat them and so on. So now no Dak Prescott. Um, you know, it's funny. Last year, Cooper Rush, if I recall, had to come in for one game and started a Sunday night game at Minnesota, and they won the game. So without the offensive line being in there, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott is obviously not um, the same person. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a really good offseason and so on. Um, it, it's just it, it's just kind of odd. We've seen what has happened to the NFC East in recent years. Dallas had a good year the year before. The year before that, Washington won it with a 7-9 to record. Uh, and, and this is the craziness of the NFL. You're sitting here and looking at a division where the Cowboys were the only team not to win on Sunday. Yeah, right. This is crazy. But with all the talk in the offseason about where Jimmy Garoppolo might end up, I'm sure that's going to heat up again this week, or at least a little. Anytime someone gets hurt, okay, any quarterback gets hurt, 
Jimmy Garoppolo talk will obviously start. Now, of course, he signed that new contract with San Francisco, and if he was to be traded, he would have to approve the trade. That's one of the stipulations in the new deal. But I don't think the Niners plan on letting him go anywhere, especially if you got to see Trey Lance play uh, against the Bay. And I know the conditions were bad, but the conditions were bad for everybody. And he didn't complete half of his passes um, through a terrible interception late in the game. Um, you know, Chicago just kind of hung around and did nothing for two and a half quarters, and all of a sudden, win the game wins the game, nineteen to ten. So, um, I, I I think we'll see Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco on the field before we see Jimmy Garoppolo get traded somewhere. Okay, and I, I know that that makes sense, of course, especially with what Lance did. But for Dallas, right. assuming that Prescott could be out six to eight weeks with what we're hearing today, do they go out and try to find another quarterback, either as a free agent like a Cam Newton, dare I say, or somebody with another team right now? Well, I think that's a possibility. Um, you know, we've heard about Pittsburgh having three quarterbacks who all played well during the preseason. And, uh, you know, we heard about the clerical error where Kenny Pickett went from the third string quarterback to the second string quarterback. Could Mason Rudolph be one of those guys that winds up in Dallas? Now, also keep in mind, even though he's hurt right now, uh, one of the few free agents Dallas brought in during the offseason was James Washington, the wide receiver who played with Mason Rudolph at a Oklahoma State. They were both drafted the same year. Uh, I think the Steelers always envisioned them kind of being like a tandem in the future and didn't work out that way and so on. Um, so he's probably certainly an option to, uh, for the team, for the for the Cowboys to discuss, depending on, you know, again, you said six to eight weeks and so on. Um, you know, maybe they give Cooper Rush, uh, you know, a couple uh, couple starts and so on. Not an easy task this week. They get the Bengals. Um and, uh, you know, obviously Joe Burrow had a pretty forgettable day uh, against Pittsburgh until the very end. And then the special teams had a pretty forgettable day <laughs> yeah. uh, in Cincinnati. What a crazy game that was, as a matter of right. fact. But I think they could go out scooting around, um, scouting around and so on. Cam Newton, that's very, very intriguing. Um, and he's a guy, as you know, and we saw it last year when he returned to Carolina and they played the Arizona Cardinals, and he kind of looked like his old self again for a little while at least. Um, you know, Cam Newton could come in very, very handy for a team that's struggling on the offensive line because he's, he, he's a guy who can kind of make his own yards when he's not throwing the football. We're talking the NFL with Russell Baxter from ProFootballGuru.com and also with FanSided and NFLSpinZone.com. Here are the animals on the Bobby Current Show, ESPN, Honolulu. Just going back to Trey Lance for a second. I mean, it was only one game. The conditions were bad, even though they were bad for both teams, as you say. How many games do you think they look at as far as him struggling before they even think about doing something with Jimmy G? I mean, they have Seattle this week, but if he continues to struggle, will it be three or four games before they decide to do anything? I think it will. I think it will kind of dictate the rest of the division. Will kind of dictate how far um, it goes and so on in terms of struggle. Now, it's very interesting to note. Of course, Seattle plays tonight. Um, it was kind of an ugly weekend or a couple of ugly days for the entire NFC West. Okay, the, the defending Super Bowl champions got throttled um, on Thursday night by Buffalo. Uh, Arizona was down 14 nothing, I think, before the National Anthem. <laughs> um, and now Seattle has Denver coming into town and so on. And, 
And I think I remember about San Francisco, even with Jimmy G last year, and the fact that they got hot when they had to and got to the NFC championship game. That was a team that got swept by the Cardinals and got swept by Seattle last year, guys. So I, I hear people talking about, you know, they started up the season with the Bears and the Seahawks, the two teams that are kind of rebuilding, but they couldn't beat the Seahawks last year, either, either game. Although, of course, they swept the Rams, which makes perfect sense in today's NFL and so on. So I'm not sure how far it actually goes. Um, and, then, and if it starts going to the point where it becomes detrimental to the team. But uh, it's, listen, he had two semi-shaky starts last year, okay? Albeit, I understand all that. But he had training camp, and he played the preseason. And, again, yes, I mean, it's his own words. I, I made a lot of mistakes. And, that, that, you know, that was a road game that uh, you would think the Bears with a brand-new head coach and a young quarterback and a team that kind of couldn't get out of their, their way offensively all year last year. And then all of a sudden, Justin Fields is looking like Daryl LaMonica. <laughs> At an earlier age, of course, yes. At an earlier hey, age, yes. Yeah. We uh, thought Tua Tango Vailoa had a really good game. We might be a little biased here, but he had success in that win over New England. He's 4-0 and in his career against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. What did you see out of Tua yesterday? Um, he, the, the progress and spreading the ball around. Um, and Tyreek, you know, Tyreek Hill didn't go like, you know, he didn't go eight catchers of 215 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. But he always tried, well, I think he finished up with eight catches for 94 yards, I think it was, or nine for 84 and so on. And Jalen yeah. Waddell had the touchdown and, and of course, you know, Melvin Ingram picks up the Mac Jones fumble and, and scores. And anytime your defense scores, it kind of lifts lifts up the team. And I'm, I, I like the point you made about, you know, the Dolphins have now beat the Patriots four times in a row. You know, times are a change, and obviously in New England. Um, and this is a big year for Miami, who not only went out and got Tyree Kill, I don't have to, have to tell you guys, they also added two key pieces to their offensive line. Um, Teron Armstead is now the... Uh, left tackle, and Connor Williams, who played left guard for the Cowboys, is is the center now. So if, if two is going to be successful, he can't obviously do it alone. I think people forget last year there are only two teams in the league, guys, who ran the ball for fewer yards than the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the, the Dolphins haven't had a significant ground attack since 2016 when they finished ninth in the league. In rushing. Oh, by the way, they made the playoffs that year, and it's the last time they made the playoffs. Russell, great start to the weekend of NFL action. we got Monday Night Football and a whole season ahead of us. Thanks again for joining us. Oh, talk to you soon. In a blink of an eye, I always say this, in a blink of an eye, it's going to be week nine. Mm-hmm. Okay, as long as it's not it January. Yeah, look, we can take that. No, Thanks I again. It's, it's, it's week nine. Okay, well, we'll have a lot to look forward to over the next eight weeks, at least. Thanks again. You got it. <laughs> All right. Russell Baxter, a great follow on Twitter, at BaxFootballGuru, B-A-X, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. The left guard for the Cowboys, actually the left tackle. I think that's what he meant to say um, yesterday uh, in that game. But, yeah, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, very, it was great performance by Tua. Coming up. Individual great performance and individual flops in the NFL. Coming up with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. 
who invites you to go on down to DB Grill in Coppola. they got great local food with kind of an Asian twist. You can try their ginger pork or kimchi fries, lapchong fried rice, calamari katsu, and a lot more. Don't forget, they've got handcrafted soju carafes and beer buckets, too. Open daily for lunch and dinner. Visit dbgrillhi.com or follow them on social media at dbgrillhi. Talking about stars, star performances in the NFL yesterday, we have to start with Hawaii's own Kamu Gruje-Hill for the Houston Texans. 18 tackles in one game. How often does that happen? Not what often a game. Yeah, they did have an overtime period still. That's pretty amazing. Really good game. Yeah, that is that is crazy, crazy good. Uh, other, um, you know, guys, you know, maybe – the uh, some guys that we haven't heard a lot about, or some great performances, are um, there's a, a guy named Tracy Walker the third for the Detroit Lions, thirteen tackles. Now he's a safety, so maybe you don't want your safety to have thirteen tackles, <laughs> but uh, you know there's uh, one of those guys. C.J. Mosley is uh, forty nine years old. He plays for the New York Jets. And he has 11 tackles. That's quite a performance. Yeah, he's hardly played for them. He's been hurt almost the entire time right. he's been with the Jets, but that was big for him. Unfortunately, it was still a loss, but he had a good game for them, yes. Yeah, I'm trying to find some other uh, great um, points. Quarterback-wise, looking at the quarterback play, we talked much already today about Marcus Mariota and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, but we would be remiss if we did not mention the quarterback play of Washington Commanders Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was supposed to prove himself in Indianapolis with Frank Reich as a, as a you know former quarterback guru, now the head coach. But 27 of 41, 313 yards for Carson Wentz. That makes me feel good. It's kind of a redemption day he, for him. Yeah, he had a really good game, and he was good for Indy until he got COVID, and then the last part of the season when he did come back, nobody played really well except for maybe Jonathan Taylor, but yeah, that was a nice win for them yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. It was He did not play up to expectation for the Indianapolis Colts, and that's why they let him go. Joe Flacco, great game on paper, 307, uh, 307 yards, did have an interception, but one touchdown, but um, you know, good performance yardage-wise. I'm sure they were behind all the time, but, hey, top five performance by Joe Flacco. Yeah, but he threw 59 passes. You throw 59 mm-hmm. passes, you should have over 300 yards. I mean, yeah. the, 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 he, he threw the, for the, 62%, 300 yards for an aging backup quarterback. I think that's pretty good. And you have no offensive line. Michael Carter had a good day rushing for them, mm-hmm. but you have no offensive line. So I think that's a pretty good performance by Flacco. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he threw one touchdown. Considering what he's got. What has he got? Oh, he's got some good receivers. He's got good running back. He doesn't have a good offensive line, yeah. Right. But again, when you build. I just think, again, when you throw 59 passes, you would hope to get more than nine points. And they missed the extra point. That wasn't on. Greg Zerline had a bad game. No, he was okay. But he's not, you know, I don't think he's going to be starting in a month from now. Well, he should be. (laughs) Yeah, well, Zach Wilson ain't much better. Yeah, yeah. Matt Ryan, how would he do uh, with under Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts this year? Well, they lost. Oh, no, they tied. Excuse yeah. me. They tied 20-20. to 20. He threw 50 passes for 352 yards. 
Uh, 32 of them were complete. But uh, 32 of 50 is uh, for 352 yards. We haven't seen games like that in Atlanta. No, no, not for a while at least. And everybody in the AFC South, nobody won a game yesterday. All four teams either lost or tied. Wow. Patrick Mahomes is, well, Patrick Mahomes, 30 of 39, 360 yards against the whiner baby Arizona Cardinals, Tyler Murray. Uh, Not such a great game, Kyler Murray. Yeah, not a good game. And Mahomes, I mean, he had a good game. I mean, all the, a couple of the new receivers did well. Of course, Kelsey gets the first touchdown for them. Hardman got one later on. But I, I like Sky Moore. He only had one catch, but I think he's got a bright future. And I think they just clicked on all cylinders. And like Russell told us a few minutes ago, Russell Baxter was like 14 nothing as soon as the game started, basically. Great to see the comeback of Saquon Barkley, 164 yards. That's just rushing. So congrats. Good to, good to see him. He's been injury-prone. Yeah, I was glad to see that as well. I mean, it's been a while for him, and people thought he might have been an injury-prone guy or just a flop uh, compared to what he was uh, considered to do when he came into the NFL Hall of Fame written all over him. So that was really good for him to have that game. He doubled exactly what Derrick Henry had. 82 yards for Henry, 164 for Saquon Barkley. That's impressive. And and, uh, and the Tennessee Titans lose. I mean, I think that – you know what? The Titans, are, I think, are on their way down. Mm, I yeah. think that maybe Derrick Henry, the number of carries, it's got to catch up with you sooner or later. Did he just sign a contract or he's waiting to sign a contract? I don't know. Hopefully don't... he signed yeah. into New Deal recently. I think he did. Just in time. Yeah. J- Jonathan a... Taylor, yeah. of course, had a great day as expected. DeAndre Swift, 144 yards for the Lions, even though they lost to the Eagles. They put up 35, and they could have used a little bit better quarterback play from Jared Goff, but I think the Lions are starting to turn the corner. I really do. I think they'll be an improved team, and the Eagles are an improved team. So that wasn't an embarrassing loss. It wasn't a bad loss. They came on late and gave it a really good game. But, I mean, maybe they can take some positives away. And, again, the Eagles are a much better team, so that wasn't a bad loss for them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Justin Jefferson was playing fantasy football out there. That's what he was doing. I mean, Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. And I hope the uh, the Vikings will get – I hope Kirk Cousins gets the accolades he deserves because he's been very good the last few years. When you talk about top quarterbacks, nobody talks about him. Nobody talks about Kirk Cousins, and they should be. He had a very good game yesterday, and Jefferson was unbelievable. I mean, he was on pace for about 300 yards the way he played yeah. that first half. And uh, Alexander for Green Bay wanted to cover him, and they didn't really put him on him at all. And it was single coverage, and he basically did almost whatever he wanted. It also says that Green Bay might be in a little bit of trouble. I know it's only one game, and Aaron Rodgers will tell you to relax, but they did not look. And Aaron Rodgers kind of threw his O-line under the bus yesterday after the game. Are you serious? We weren't blocking the way we were supposed to block. We were supposed to block one way, and they'd block a different way. And he goes, I could have done maybe something a little different. But he mentioned the blocking a couple of times. I was surprised at that. Remember in the preseason he called out his receivers mostly the young ones uh after That's an exhibition right. game so I, I don't like that from aaron Rodgers. most quarterbacks won't do that publicly yeah it's he's he's going down he's doing going down in a in a um he's going down in flames the way his career is going with with what he the stuff he's doing off the field and his comments he sounds just like a grouchy old guy yeah yeah it's, it's sad to see. Uh, yeah it is it's like just be quiet 
and just play your best. Drink the cacava or whatever the drink <laughs> yeah, he drinks. Right, right, right. And just maybe Aaron Rodgers needs to relax a little bit. <laughs> yes. My my goodness. That was if you were if you were a fan of the Lions, the Vikings or the Bears, you loved watching Aaron Rodgers go down in flames yesterday. Oh yeah, big time, big time. That was really something. You know, one player we haven't mentioned who might have been the best player in the field yesterday on defense, your Minka Fitzpatrick, a pick six and the block field goal in overtime. I mean he had a fantastic game for Pittsburgh and you can say he was the main reason they won. Yeah, I would rather have seen a fantastic game out of uh, Mitch Trubisky, who was twenty one of thirty eight for hundred and ninety four yards. He did throw a touchdown. But, you know, throwing for 55% completion rate, you can do a little better than that. Yeah. I think this, you know, that was a typical Steelers game lately. The defense won it. The defense really won that game. Uh, a blocked field goal to go into overtime. I mean, the guy's running across the field, got a hand on it. It was, they didn't deserve to win that game, but they did. Yeah. The sad part about the Steelers is after t- yesterday with T.J. Watt, tearing his pectoral muscle and Najee Harris left the game in the fourth quarter it was uh I'm guessing it wasn't minor for Najee Harris because that that was a that was a tight game that was a fourth quarter of a tight game and he leaves the game so two of their best players are out and maybe out for a while. I'm not sure. We'll you, find well, out I'm, today. It was, a, it was a blocked extra point. I forget on the last play of the game. Excuse Sorry, me. Sorry, blocked extra point, yes. But for what they're saying about T.J. Watt is that, it's, at least right now, is that it's possible he could come back for the playoffs. So you're almost getting the indication that he could be out for the rest of the regular season. It's right. still a little too early to say. Uh, uh, and also, I heard the long snapper was injured for Cincinnati, which affected some of those snaps. They missed a field goal, and the extra point gets blocked late in that game. That's a, it's a big difference, maker when you're losing your long snapper, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. And the well, yeah, it would make sense, I guess. I mean, the, anyway, with the with the Browns, the Bengals, and the Ravens, not sure the steel. We need better, a lot better play out of Trubisky if they're going to make the playoffs. Otherwise, don't talk about the playoffs. It's, I love uh, their receivers, though. I really, I know Pickens didn't do much for them yesterday. I think he only had one or two catches, but Deontay Johnson had one of the best catches you'll probably see all year. Uh, that was an overtime. I don't know if you saw that one-handed catch falling out of bounds. Mm. What a catch by him! Unbelievable. Yeah. No, they, they've got they've got talent there, uh, and don't forget Chase Claypool. They got talent at tight end, uh, yeah. running back. Even without Najee Harris, I think they'll be okay. And I'm just saying okay at running back. Anyway, we got to take a break, and we'll be back to wrap it up here on ESPN Honolulu. All right, let's talk sports with Kano Alehi coming up at 12 noon. Uh, we do have Josh Pacheco at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Monday Night Football on CBS 1500 today. It is going to be, uh, we'll see if Russ can cook against his <laughs> former team, the Seahawks. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Taking on the Seattle Seahawks with their starting quarterback, star passer Geno Smith. I'm rooting for... Russell Wilson, because you and I have debated often on this, you know, how effective he'll be and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I and I'm I'm 100 percent for Russell Wilson, although I'm for 
Geno Smith. I want the Broncos to win, but Geno Smith to have a good performance. You know, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. This is what America is all about. We root for Marcus Mariota and his second chance. Why not root for Geno Smith to have a second chance and be successful? He's had a second chance. This is like chance number five. I think he's used up his nine lives almost. What were his second chances? Well, the I'm Chargers. saying he's a starting quarterback. Well, he, he As a starting quarterback in the NFL, the keys to the Lamborghini are handed to him. And don't you want to see somebody successful? Wouldn't you be rooting for him? I, I, I could actually care less how he does. But, I mean, <laughs> he's had a, he had a chance to start with the Chargers. And he was a backup. So, I mean, he had okay. a chance. Then he had a chance to stay with the Jets as a starter. I guess as a enough. starting quarterback, how he will perform on the field, I'm rooting for the guy. I don't know why you have something against Geno Smith. Probably because all the good players, a lot of the um, people who have left the Jets, have had better careers after leaving the Jets than with the Jets. That's easy so to I do. So I get that, <laughs> and I'm going to you know, let you just uh, take a deep breath and relax the rest of the day. Okay. Anyway, thanks, thanks, Gary and Tanner Hayworth back in the studio. Kanoa Leahy at 12, Josh Pacheco at 3. See you tomorrow, ESPN Honolulu.